0: An Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammers, so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies across the eight points this episode are Hi, I'm Paul.
1: And guys, did you know that Archaon is an amazing football player? I did know that. I did not. He's fantastic. He never goes out of bounds. He always makes his catches. That's why he's called
2: Archaon the Ever Toes In. <laughs> and I'm Will. I've been listening to a lot of music lately. Uh, More importantly, the song Cursed Rain by the artist formerly known as the First Prince.
3: (laughs) That's awesome. I, too, have been listening to a lot of music lately, and, you know, it's a lot of uh, hip-hop, but mostly rap, raptorics. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Aaron, and I, as well, have been listening to a lot of music (laughs) And I'm not going to sing it, but if you, you take a minute to listen to the lyrics, um, Britney Spears' I'm a Slave for You, I think is obviously talking about the dark powers. Uh, and in this episode, we cover the lore of the Slaves of dark, slaves to Darkness Battletome. Get ready to hear a whole lot of infighting, struggle for control, and asserted dominance. And then if we have time after all that, we'll talk about those STDs. Um, how are you tonight, my Varanophiles? I a like word that. I just made up.
1: Yeah, that was a great word. I don't think I made love it. it. I think it's existed, and you just plugged it out of the ether mm-hmm. to exist.
0: Culture 47, like forty-seven, right? Yeah. <laughs> Give or shake. Um. So, how are you guys doing?
1: Doing good. Great, great doing awesome. I'm
0: doing fantastic.
1: Makes me think of like the Rockford Files, but for Age of Sigmar. But nobody's going to.
0: That. <laughs> <laughs> we'll that's cool. fair. Very cool. Off to a strong start today. Um. Excellent. Uh. So here we are. We're here to talk about. The Slaves to Darkness Battle Tome. I know this is one that people have been uh, eager uh, for for a very long time. And here we are to talk about it. So here, this is our gift to you, the listeners. Um, but before we do, before we talk about The Slaves to Darkness Battletome, instead, I'd be curious to know what you guys are, have been up to in the hobby, as I often ask. Um, it's been a hot second. I feel like we got a revolving door of people coming through on the story phase. I haven't talked to you guys in a while. Um, yeah. So so in that case, I'm going to ask Will. Hey, Will, what you been up to in the hobby?
2: I have been working on my Slaves to Darkness. Yeah. Yeah. We were uh, grateful enough to get a review copy of uh, the limited edition box from Games Workshop, and I've been assembling those very slowly uh, since we got it. Um, I've also, not to pick a side between Archeon and Bellicor. Someone's but going to ask also, us to
0: do that later, actually, so get ready. No, perfect.
2: Hmm. Well, unrelated to that, I've been assembling a bunch of chaos legionnaires and painting everything in bellicor colors, um, but I haven't picked this is, up. No <laughs> sides. <No> sides. <laughs> this is the way. No sides. No sides. This is the way. No
0: sides.
3: hmm hmm
0: Right down the middle. Yeah, square. <laughs> uh, fair and impartial. Hey, what have you been <laughs> up to in uh, the hobby?
3: Well, uh, also working on some Slaves to Darkness today. Um and then doing, I know, surprise, dime I know, Ay, Dios mio. Uh, but I've also been doing a lot of work on my Zeech army, uh, which was the last time I was on the show. Yeah. So huh? um, I, I, I've been diligently plugging away on that. Uh, I'm working up a list for the host um, and also a group for the transient form. Oh. Uh, hmm. Because Carrick Acolytes are super cool and they're super fun yeah. models to build and paint. Uh, I did, so recently I did an inventory. Dun, dun, dun. I love of, inventories. It was, it was good. I ended up finding out <laughs> how many of things I had and I have a lot of character Acolytes. I thought I was like, I might have 60 or 80 and I ended up with almost double those. So, Ooh, um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. It is, it is a mighty need. Um, and to look at the lists, the other thing I've, I've realized was that, uh, I helped with the Dogs of War Cry event last year. Oh. One of our missions at Adepticon, Dogs of War Cry, really cool podcast. Check it out sometime. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh I helped out with that event at Adepticon last year and I had I built a whole ton, a whole ton of raptorix. It was somewhere like 40 or 60 or some crazy divisible by 6 number. And painted them all up. And uh, with this book coming out, I was a uh, slaves to darkness book. I was like, "Wow, I wonder if these guys are good." And they're not bad, so I'm uh, I'm very excited to have a bunch of hobby done for a bunch of Angry Birds. So nice. it nice. should be a lot of fun. Yeah, very very excited to throw a bunch of Angry Birds at somebody. I I
0: throw them the at <laughs> something.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> is, absolutely.
0: Um, my Kyric acolyte story is: I know, I, I built my Kyric acolytes years ago probably at this point right when they came out and i know to this day that one of my dudes his shield is upside down but i glued him with plastic glue and i I said to myself aaron let it go you're going to forget all about this and it's not gonna (laughs) matter so don't do anything about it this was years ago i have not forgotten all about it they're right over there and i know that shield is upside down and it's driving me crazy i can't sleep at night um so that's my chiropractic. this story
2: it's the closest thing you'll ever have to a like a conversion yeah
1: <laughs> cold little, cold small little well,
0: that, that made it even worse my bit of chaos only converted order, model orderly world your house god i can picture it it's upside down right now and it's driving me. St- anyways anyways uh hey paul what have you been up to in the hobby uh i'm working on some slaves to darkness i uh
1: i <laughs> am working on archaeon actually uh, i've been meaning to paint him for, for freaking ever and so i'm just starting to like work through him so
0: Right on. Very cool. And uh, what have I been up to in the hobby guys? Guess what? Surprise, surprise. I'm assembling some slaves to darkness. Uh, I've got the chosen no put, way. Together right, <laughs> put together right here. Um, I got almost all of them done at this point. Um, so I think last time, the last episode, I mentioned that I was working on some slaves knowing that this book was coming out just with little fiddly bits that I had hanging around. And I figured I'd just ride that momentum. Um, I also ordered, <laughs> I just tell them this, I ordered an Ogroid Myrmidon uh, knowing that the book was coming out. But it was really, really hard to find for a while. I think they just maybe were going to transition maybe some of the boxes or I don't know what it was. And so I was afraid that they were just weren't going to make them anymore because I'm dumb. I'm, I'm a dumb person. Uh, and I ordered one from Australia and I'm sure I paid out the nose when I literally just saw that they are just, you could just order them normally all of a sudden. Again, in fact, I was at a game store in Minneapolis over Thanksgiving and they had just a pile of them sitting there. Uh, and yet, mine is still crossing an ocean right now because mm, I just have no impulse control. So uh, that's where I'm at, slaves to darkness. Wise.
1: Did you go to the source? Go to the source in Minneapolis. The, or? the game store was it called the source?
0: No, I went to t- Tower something, Dice Tower, Tower something. What is what's it called up there? Um, are they the ones that do the comic too? Is that does it come out of there? Interesting. I didn't know. I just hmm. I just picked the nearest one to my uh, sister in law's house because I was trying to get the baby to go to sleep. And so I was just driving around and I went to the nearest game store and I stumbled upon that one.
1: It's I'm nice. sorry I spent $75, three I was trying to get the baby to go to sleep.
0: <laughs> well, I think they had a little bit of a sale or something like that. Um, but no, you're right. It was just an attempt to go buy the little dudes. Uh, actually bought fell bats instead. Those are also, you can't buy on the web store anymore. Anyways, neither, neither here nor there. Let's get into this story. Um, yeah. Any other things that you guys have been working on that you want to chat about? I'm um, Not hearing anything, so we will get to the story phase. But first, one more thing. Stick with me, listeners. Let me plug some stuff. Let me plug The Mortal Realms, literally the show that you're listening to right now. Uh, Once we get through that, we'll get to that story phase. So here it comes. Uh, You can find more episodes of this podcast and all of our other shows at www.themortalrealms.com. Don't forget the the. It's important. Uh, You can email us your feedback at our email address, which is mortalrealms at gmail.com. Know the. Don't even don't bring it up. Forget all about it. Um, You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash the mortal realms to support the show. You can get early releases of this uh, show, the story phase, as well as semi-exclusive content like the pocket realms, which are short story phases hosted by Davey and myself. Uh, here's this little behind the curtain Dave was going to be on this episode but he said no you know what forget it I'm not interested Vince going to be on I, I don't want to be on it
3: <laughs> I told you I told you you didn't want to be on because I was here
0: scared right but I didn't want to <laughs> uh, but I, I, was forced, I was forced to tell you the truth I, and then if you uh, if you can or don't want to pitch in monetarily uh, for the show that's okay you can head on over to your podcast service of choice and you can give us a review whether via stars or thumbs ups Or you could write a little blurb about how much you like or dislike the show. That's all cool. Um, Or you can go ahead and tell a friend about the Mortal Realms. So all that to be said, thanks everybody for listening. Um, Will had mentioned it earlier, but then I'll also bring up right now that GW did send us A slaves to darkness, what do they call it? Army box, um, whatever the term is for what this thing is, which included the book that we're talking about today. So we want to say thanks for that. Normally I forget and I bring it up at the end, but I'm going to bring it up at the top today. Uh, Cool. Here we go. Let's do the story phase. Uh, Paul, if you would be so kind as to take us there.
1: The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the nine realms. And to that, I'll say Eric who? I don't remember. Um, I like how you've been playing it. us off of each other. Like, we've been on opposite. <laughs> you keep wanting yeah. him. That's how, that's how me I... And I love that's
0: it. Keep I, doing it. It's keep, perfect. Keep the proletariat yeah. down. That's how we do it up there. Yeah. I'm the proletariat? In our, Is that in me? Our, in, our ivory t- in our ivory towers. Man, I can't talk today. Um, keep the keep cultists really down on. in this
3: very inspired tower. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> got it.
2: Um, <laughs> See, it would be easier to put you on the same episode schedule-wise... But Aaron just loves chaos. Yeah, yeah,
0: me and Britney Spears. Um, okay, so <laughs> uh, I to I got a callback. Only like ten minutes in. Slaves, to, those are the best <laughs> kind. Um, Slaves to darkness. Battle tone. Um, Battle tome. Um, this has been a long time coming. I feel like there's such a presence uh, in the moral realms. Why is it taking us so long to talk about them? But you know what? The, the past is past. The future is now. We're here to chat about them today. So, um, let's catch folks up if they don't know who these slaves to darkness are. Um, And to do so, I might uh, dive into my my favorite segment of the entire show. We might just start there as we always do. Um, And I'm going to ask you, fine fellas, if you could do me the honor of coming up with a single one sentence description of who the slaves to darkness are to really prime the pump, prime the conversation so that listeners can get a sneak peek as to who these folks are. So, uh, Paul, I often start with you so i will continue to do so because i am nothing if not consistent um so please give us your one sentence summary of the slaves to darkness
1: they are hell-bent demon-bound god-touched warriors devoted to the four primordial gods known as the gods of chaos except for the horn rat he's just kind of a jerk (laughs) so they don't talk about him and he's not in this book i'll
3: fight you
0: is he, is he in this book come on not a single rat not one if being a jerk is what like <laughs> with you from being i mean they're all jerks like being a jerk seems like... yeah right it's, it's such a low, low bar everybody else come yeah. on i guess kind of is cool um well clockwise you're next on my screen um, since summer please the eightfold path is always dividing
2: them uh but now we're gonna talk about those
0: who remain undivided. Sure, sure, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah No.
3: Um, and show these show these two how, to, how it's done. <clears throat> Followers of the true gods exorbing and enlightening the masses to the true path to both glory and excelling at what they do. Excellent, okay.
0: I, love it. Um, I like I like the path of glory introduction. I feel like that's a core component. That's it's necessary. I feel like we okay, we, t- yeah. we dabbled and we touched on a bunch of different things. Yeah,
2: there is something now that we're when we're recording, we can see each other. Mm-hmm. The listener loses the experience of seeing the gears turn. In people's faces <laughs> as they try to, <laughs> go
4: the
2: <laughs> like staring off into the middle distance, like looking at how it looks.
1: <laughs> you think at some point we'd be like, "Hey, this is the thing we have to do every single time," but no,
2: nope no. I started thinking of mine as Paul was doing his. Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, I'm going to be honest. I almost skipped it entirely because I, I jumped right to the origin thing and I missed my line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I need to re- read my notes better. Um, and it's my favorite segment. How could I forget? Uh, thanks, guys. That really, uh, really brightened my day. I was having a, oof, I was just down in the dumps, but really, that really picked up my spirits. Um, okay, so slaves of darkness. I think we're getting. We, we've scratched the surface. We've touched, we've touched a little bit on some highlights or some standout components to who they are. But let's. Rewind time a little bit. Let's cast our eyes backwards. I keep using that phrase every episode, and it means nothing. That's not a real phrase, Aaron. Um, but It is now. You've said yeah, it in every know. episode. It's part of the consciousness, and it's just let's, part of who you are. You know, let's start at the beginning, which is, as everybody knows, Paul especially, knows that it's a very good place to start. You owe me a uh, dollar. It's <laughs> like a whole bunch of dollars for the last episode and, and three episodes ago. Well, that's why I didn't sing the Britney Spears thing. Um, and uh, let's... Come, come to um, the origins of this faction or race or whoever. It's not really a race. Um, where, where did they come from? When did they get their start? Uh, does anybody they have any thoughts? Where did they come from? They get... Cut eye, Joe. Yeah, that's exactly. Mm-hmm.
3: Um. I couldn't. I thought it too, Paul, when I saw it on our list. Oh, I was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> where did they come from? <laughs> <Nurgle> eye, <Joe>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know. that's the worst eye to have. Uh, I'd rather. See, um, So, yeah. So anybody have any thoughts on the origin? Did the book touch on this uh, at all? It touched on it a bit. The
2: interesting issue with Slaves to Darkness is their origin is like the origin of the people is kind of the same as the origin of like what would be Cities of Sigmar. Age of Myth, they were all mortals. um, But there is a key turning point where some of the population got to go to Azir and live happy and be cool. And everyone else had to kind of make the choice of joining chaos or dying. Uh, and that's kind of like the first followers of the ruinous powers were those who would rather not die
0: rather not die so selfish um you know I mean although that's true especially sort yeah. of demarcating the difference between the the goods and the bads and you can use your own definition as who's good or bad yeah. in that story but even before that like i mean, they kind of had some seeds in the age of myth right and mm-hmm. that they were talking about how in the early days of sigma running around and sort of creating society it's almost in the act of creating society he introduced some like some, I don't know, not shortcomings, what's the word, um, like flaws in people. Yeah. And like those flaws were the, the the fertile ground from which the seeds of chaos grew, right? And so maybe not right then and there is where the, yeah. the slaves of darkness ar- arose. It it introduced, I don't know, I, I guess you could even say an evil into the world, right? Like civilization fostered mm-hmm. a, a certain element of not goodness. And it was from that that um, a lot of the... the Chaos got its um start, uh, though not necessarily intrinsically slaves to darkness per se, but more of a yeah. broader, vaguer version of chaos, which I thought was interesting. Um, that they even talked about it in this book at all. I thought it was cool. What uh Paul and Dent what do you get What do you guys think?
1: Um well, I think you both gave great answers. Um there also is another two answers, I think, and that's Bellicor and Archaeon. Um, which yep. I want to talk about a lot when we when we get into the meat of this episode, um where their stories started in the old world and have continued not only in the old world and in the mortal realms but apparently other places as well so that's I saw
0: uh, that yeah, I don't know the right time to talk about it, but it, it was mm-hmm. noteworthy listeners, and maybe we can dive into it deeper, but it just it just as a at a glance, it seems like he was conquering worlds between the old world and the mortal mm-hmm. realms um mm-hmm. and so like man i'd be very curious to see what that was yes it's cool it it,
1: it it was a long thing where they're talking about how the gods of chaos themselves were even before the old world etc so this is one of those things if you know your warhammer lore and you know your warhammer 40k lore like this is one of those things that gets real timey-wimey um the connections become real wibbly-wobbly you
0: know? <laughs> Uh, Vince, do you have any origin, origin thoughts, things that jumped out, to, out at you in terms of the, the
3: early days of chaos or Slaves to Darkness? Um, I mean, you guys really kind of nailed it on the head. I think the big treat for me in this book is how they like use the verbiage and the talk of what the Slaves to Darkness are. Um, yeah, it's very much a – like the words they use aren't – oh, and this evil empire rose from the thing. It's the defenders of this people or the armies of, of these folks who have been aggressed by Gorkamorka, or, you know, and they just kind of write it in almost, almost anti-hero-esque, hmm. but then also don't shy away from the violence that it brings, right? Like, cool, you stayed around and worshipped the gods of order uh, after Sigmar, like, fled, and then you got torched and murdered for staying and doing that. Or you could have just given in and followed Zeech or followed Nurgle yeah. or followed one of the primordial powers. Um, and I thought that was cool because they refer to like not only the chaos gods, but the primordial powers, mm-hmm. which in other books you'll see will be like Morgor or some of the other gods that are like beasts of chaos gods or, um, oh, I'm going to murder his name, but the god, the, the ancient dragon ogre uh, that Barkeon steals the sword from, it's Crackerjack, Kr- Kr- uh, the great yes. god Crackerjack, yes. That one, yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> I think it's like Karuadrak, I don't know. something like that. Yeah, there it is, Crackerjack. Somewhere like, in there, the right <laughs> end. <head. laughs> Will's crying, it's okay.
0: <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's okay, it's okay buddy.
3: Just,
2: it's, just, it's just finally good to see someone get the set the story straight. You know, we've heard Sigmar's version of events, but these are the people that are boots
0: on the ground, you know, kind of living in it. Well, and absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say, but before we get to the, uh, the great, uh, I guess, depending on whose perspective it is, the great portrayal of Sigmar, let's while we're hanging out in maybe the age of myth, were there any stories from this era that folks wanted to talk about before we actually get to like the chunk of the timeline, which is really <laughs> chaos. Um, any any Age of Myth stuff you guys want to talk about?
2: Yeah, so mine uh, kind of touched on when we were talking about the origins of the faction, but there's the story the the seeds are planted, um, and sort of like you were saying, Aaron, it it really highlights that chaos didn't just spring from nothing, and it didn't even spring from like the ruinous powers making themselves manifest. Chaos first took hold because of the actions of Sigmar. Because he tried elevating everyone and, like, enhancing things. Some of the things he enhanced were people's worst instincts. Kind of giving power to those who would um, manipulate it. And, and that manipulation created a lot of the, the
0: first footholds of chaos, which I thought was interesting. It's very much like a human nature, and oftentimes it is humans, right? Like, they talk yeah. about how a lot of chaos comes from the human side of things. But human nature, like... Uh, almost the idea of like an original sin type thing that's baked into these people that like was brought out. Cause what Sigmar did um, yeah, cause his own problems. Um, any other stories or, or anything else to add? My friends, I
1: liked the the gazing from beyond. And uh, this is kind of ties into what we had said earlier of how the chaos gods are kind of just there and waiting for things to happen. Um, but I liked the specifically the sentence with whispers and dreams, they foster and inflame the des- darkest desires of men dwarden and elves Mm -hmm. um i like that they have spread it out more and like made it very clear that um in miniature form as well as in lore form that we're corrupting not just humans here we're corrupting all mortals um and that's that's fun um it also theoretically hints towards chaos dwarden at some point um it may hint towards chaos elves at some point which is something we haven't seen which would be kind of a cool twist maybe so it's fun
0: i liked it some of the war cry warbands have an yeah. two in them right
2: the yeah. splintered fang had an elf and then spire tyrants and iron golems had a Dwarden. yeah because it said elves and not singular elf so we're good. There's more.
0: <laughs> there <laughs> there must, be be, more. <laughs> must be more out there. Um, I like. I don't feel like I've ever talked about this before, and this is not really the subject of this book. But I like that. Like they're starting to like combine. Yeah. Um. Like the, those three races as being sort of like the core, like mm-hmm. mortal contingent of the world. Right. There's all. There's yeah. like, countless other races. Maybe untold other races. But those are like the three that like contribute or consist of like the core like regular people, which is to say that's what essentially the Cities of Sigmar is. Um, but I don't know, for whatever reason, I like it just being that trifecta a little bit. I thought that was mm-hmm. like a classic fantasy trope kind of.
1: No, I think my favorite thing yeah. about this battle tome is that like the Corvus Cabal, it's like the Great Gatherer, where it brought so many different plot points and so many mm-hmm. different themes together in this battle tome. I I loved picking out all these different details. And usually when you're reading a battle, it's like eh, seven or eight, maybe, you know, 10 or 12 if it's really into it. But like, there's so many threads, so many plots that are picked up, started, um, continued in this book. That was super fun for me and engaging to read. So yeah, yeah. quite a bit.
0: Okay, cool. So uh, Age of Myth. Yeah, everybody's having a good time. It was fun. It was always sunny, et cetera, et cetera. But let's get to the 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 real meat of this book, the real, the real chunky component, which is to say the, the Age of Chaos
1: uh, makes it, sense. I think there, there's a very big point, which is that there is only two stories in the Age of Myth here, mm-hmm. as opposed to almost every other battle tome that I can recall. The Age of Myth is not the center point. The Age of Myth is not the high point of the civilization. It's the Age no. of Chaos, which yep. seems self-explanatory, but at the same time, it's really nice to actually see that represented
2: in the stories that they tell. I thought that was a really cool nod. Also, on top of that, I feel like the Age of Chaos in this book starts earlier than it does in some of the other ones. Because for most of the other ones, they take the Battle of the Burning Skies as, like, the second entry point. Mm -hmm. And here, it barely makes it to the first set of pages. Because to Chaos, their mere existence
0: is the Age of Chaos. Mm
2: -hmm. Which is
0: why it's the highlight. Yeah. I like across all the different battle tomes, like the distribution of stories for each of the ages really tells a lot about the army itself. Like knowing Mm -hmm. how much time is spent in any given age really says a lot about like the army that you're talking about. And so... As we've said multiple times now, the age of chaos being the, the large share, the lion's share of the, the stories in this really goes to show like how <laughs> formative this age was for uh, the slaves to darkness, which is pretty cool. Um, so then to that I'll ask what what did the what did the age of chaos look like uh, for Slaves to Darkness? Before we get to any of the stories, just generally, um, how how was it how is it different or how was it similar to some of the other chaos factions that we've read about um, thus far? Anybody got any thoughts about that?
1: I, I would say it's extremely similar specifically to Stormcast in the Age of Sigmar. Because mm. the Age of Chaos is all about the invasion,
2: conquering mm-hmm.
1: the realms, taking over civilizations, reconsecrating the ground
0: into what it ought to be. But before yeah. the Stormcast. It's like it's like almost like the Stormcast were taking notes. -hmm. On what the the chaos was doing in Age of Chaos, like oh that really worked. Okay, let's now we'll try. Um, But we'll add lightning to it. That's that's the problem. They didn't have enough (laughs) lightning.
3: Always the problem. Not enough lightning. And and I think that actually is like almost almost verbatim earlier in the book, Paul. They talk about how like Sigmar leaves to go figure out. You know how am I going to beat these chaos warriors because I just can't do it. I just (laughs) can't. Um. And I, I thought that was really well put, too. Again, it, it came from that that perspective of why? You know, why did you leave? Like, what did you do, you know, in the a real empty throne, right? You know, a real empty gate. <laughs> um, and then they talk about how, like, how could a father, for, like, abandon his family in such a way? And I was like, oh, so good. Oh, it's so good. Um, so good, and then he literally did. He went and like took notes. How did they do this? How are we going to try and strike back? And it wasn't until the advent of the Stormcast where it felt like he even had a chance. So it's I don't know. It's good. It was. It's been a really solid. Anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Did you guys have any stories
0: that uh, jumped out at you from this age that you want to chat about?
2: Yeah, I had one pretty early on that was uh, claim of the ever chosen. Uh, this story stood out to me mostly because it like just takes everything Archaeon was doing in the Age of Chaos and just kind of clumps it together. So we see here he gets like he fights the three greater demons that get added onto Dorgar. It even says he spurns the favor of the Great Horned Rat, which means the Great Horned Rat came up to him at one point and was like, I have gifts, you want gift? And he like slapped it out of his hand and like kept walking. <laughs> Like could not care less, um, and just like goes to show how like he came from like nothing to become the force that would conquer
0: all the mortal realms uh, as time goes on. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but can anyone tell me how many of his gifts that he like currently has? Did he also have in the old world? Like, is All this a, a, a reinvention? Okay, so like the idea that he went to go gather them here yep. is kind of
3: a misnomer because
0: to some degree yep. he should have already had them when he rolled up.
1: Yeah, he had them in the old world. He went on a quest after he forsake um, Sigmar yep. um, <clears throat> as uh, his devoted, devoted. He went and conquested out for each one of these six, I believe it is. The Armor of Morkar, the Eye of Shirian, Uzul, the Slayer of Kings, Dorgar, the Mount, the Crown of Domination, and the Arm... Did I say the Armor of Morkar already? Yes, you did. So it might be five.
3: And then the Slayer of Kings, the sword. Uzul, I said that one. From, From Cracker Jack.
0: Um, <laughs> so i guess i guess maybe i might have mis- yep. misspoke in that it seemed as if it, he was gathering them in this book but maybe they read, wrote it yeah. in such a way to make it sound like it, it he gathered them previously and he just mm. pulled up
2: with them yeah I, I the, well did, were the gaunt summoners around in the old world or yeah, like that would so, be a new thing yeah yeah because it, it didn't say that he was gathering like the artifacts yeah. but that he was gathering the gaunt summoners that he was making dorgar Because I think Dorgo was just like a cool horse before, right? But he was
1: basically, yeah, he he was a horse and then he became a shapeshifter.
2: Yeah. And so it's how he got the shape that he has and sort of solidifying a bit more of like where he was from. Exactly. Yeah. Very
3: cool. Other stories you guys want to talk about? I thought it was kind of cool. You've got the the Red Sentry and uh, that I thought was neat because it harkened back to the Red Feast. Mm-hmm. And made me really wonder about how old Corgu's cool really is, because in that in that book in that novel, he goes to uh, take down um, the Algaraxi majocracy, Right, they they're oppressing his people, my people. They are oppressed. <laughs> uh, so he goes, and Korn is like, "Cool, I'll give you the cheat codes if you go beat up my brother's lackeys." And so then Corgu's cool picks up some of his homies, and they. Hypothetically go do it, but there's no sequel to the Red Feast. However, here we have in the book that says uh, it is besieged by Cornate and then Zichian forces, but they wipe out that that great steel uh, spire. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool. If I if I was curious if Korgus Cool won that fight, given he's in a bunch of other books after that, but uh, <laughs> it's just kind of cool to see that they, they wipe out that Magocracy. And then he goes
0: to the moon. Um. Yeah, he <laughs> goes to the moon. Paul, I know you wanted to talk about this one too. Were there mm-hmm. more you wanted to add to that? So one of the things that was
1: really specific about this book is that the Red Sentry in particular harkens to... Um, the Aglaraxy, as you were talking about, um, it talks about the Steel Spike, um, talks about the Great Parch, and there was actually like three or four pages earlier that went on at exactly the same topic and all these different things. It talked about one of Archeon's generals now leading part of the Great Parch. It talked about all of these different areas. And all of that lore is specifically... I don't know if it's original from Soulbound campaign book, but it is absolutely spelled out in e- e- excellent detail in that that uh, core book for the Soulbound game. And then it continues on uh, in the um, Bright Sphere. It was specifically limited in Bright Spear, So they took a lot of the background that was in Soulbound and have it expanded upon here. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I really enjoyed because there are now lore nuggets from Soulbound that apply to characters that are in this battle tome now. So one of the questions that we got that's much later on um, from a listener was they're talking about there's a second in command to Archaon who is Archaon's best friend. Chris Ling, uh asked this question, and in the Soulbound core book um, and in, or in the the Bright Spear City Guide, I'm not sure which it talks about how the Demon Prince in the Great Parch considers himself the second in command to Archaon, and he has been tasked with taking over this area of the Great Parch. So it, it's cool to have so many different sources now that we can get lore for Age of Sigmar, and it just it increases and expands upon it. So I, I like that quite a bit.
0: Right on. I'll, I'll keep asking. You guys have more stories from the Age of Chaos that you, you want to chat about? I also
1: enjoyed the Battle of the Burning Skies just because it brought up an interesting question, um, which is Sigmar lost his hammer, but then it says he kept fighting. And so my question is, what weapon did he fight with? And that would be an awesome hook, an awesome story to be like, okay, this is the hammer that Sigmar used when he lost Galmaraz. Or this is the sword that was used in the Battle of Burning Skies. Like I could see a whole army, a whole background, just from that one little piece that says, but he continued to fight and did a tactical withdrawal. So I want to know what a weapon he used. What do you guys think?
2: As I say, since you said it'd be a great hook, I think a great right hook is exactly what he was using. <laughs>
0: uh, guys, I think the game for this episode needs to be, what does Sigmar name his fists? <laughs> oh. Law and order for example, but I mean, that's yeah. not a, there's better. Thunder. A little, a little thunder,
3: lightning. little lightning. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Listeners. Uh, I mean, there may be more uh, examples over the course of the night while well, the rest of us think yeah. about some good, good fist names. Uh, but I would love if you also provided us some fist names, uh, in our discord at yeah. www.themoralworlds.com slash discord. We'll be talking about that yeah. later for sure. Um, I mean, my two are going to be shock,
2: and awe.
0: awe, yeah, <laughs> <that's good. laughs> yeah! Bravo. So uh, I, while we're doing that, does anybody, there's a lot of stories here, so I'm going to keep asking if anybody else has any
3: others that they want to um, to bring up at all. I mean, it talks about Varanthex's Maw already being industrialized, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Um, because it shows that the, the armies and groups of Warcry have been around since uh, the Age of Chaos, yeah. as opposed mm-hmm. to them being a recent thing. So... I thought that was neat, just a little tidbit to be like, oh, by the way. Uh, and then, of course, it talks about the stolen hammer, um, <laughs> where Efrix is like, yoink, this is mine. <laughs> That's a nice um, hammer. Would be a yeah. shame if somebody built a fortress around it so I could build it. <laughs> I really like
0: the through line of all of this like this the the series of stories in the age of chaos because i think yeah. oftentimes you get it from, like we've talked about you get it from the stormcast perspective or, or or like the the forces of order perspective right and that kind of divies or divides up a little bit of the Like, it compartmentalizes, like, different realms and how they're, you know, affected by it. But here was, like, a one after the other. Here's what Chaos did then. um, Like, here was the first step of what Chaos did. And and this is the realm they went to next. And this is Nurgle going to the realm of life and Corn going to the realm of fire and et cetera, et cetera. And it really just goes one after, and, like, each of the major battles. Here's the the battle of, uh, what is it? Black skies and then burning skies. Like there's too many sky yeah. battles. That's enough. <laughs> um, but like this is how uh, this is how Nagash was taken out. This was uh, you know here's the fight that yeah. took Sigmar off mm-hmm. the scene. Um, and so it was nice to just get them rattled off one after the other. Like in my head, I sort of know them, but like I lose track of which comes first and what order they come in. And so this was nice. This, this is the timeline I might want to reference again in the future, knowing like here's what happens, beat by beat.
2: I say, well, what I was just going to say about your point, Aaron, about like this being the timeline to point to. It's because like when the actual setting, the Age of Sigmar started, it was a lived in world that was kind of to the point of collapse. Chaos had won. And this is the book where we get to see that all happen. It is setting the table for every single realm for when we finally pick up the story in the Age of Sigmar for when we actually entered the fold with that very first box set. So there's a lot of ground to cover.
0: Yeah. And because they're undivided, it it is almost like the story of chaos as a whole, as opposed to individual pieces of chaos, right? I'm sure the Nurgle book talks about like the attack on the realm of life, but it probably doesn't have much to say about what happened. And actually, you can do that for all the different gods. So this is sort of chaos writ large, um, which is neat. I'm going to ask a listener question patron of the show dog tired has a question but before i get to their question i'm going to say hey guys if you want to get a question on the moral realms uh podcast here's what you got to do remember that discord i mentioned before of course you do it was just a couple minutes ago but in case you forgot it's slash discord you hang out there as i've said before and i will say again every day all day you should be there right now quite frankly if you're not i'll give you a second to go log in okay you're there um <laughs> one day uh, like a thief in the night, I'm going to roll up and I'm going to say, hey, we're going to record an episode about whatever I feel like recording an episode about. Uh, do you have any questions? And you're going to say, yes, of course I have questions. I'm full of questions head to toe. I'm just chock full. They're coming out of my ears. And so you're going to ask them on the Discord. I'm going to write them down. I'm going to put them into our show notes and I'm going to read them like Dog Tired's question right here. Patron of the show. Thank you very much. Uh, they ask, what do you think? What do you think are the overall implications of GW outright saying the age of chaos is 500 years? Uh, is it possible that this is the beginnings of a more completed or complete timeline? Well, you had brought this up earlier, actually, this yes. 500 years, um, spiel, uh, in the age of chaos. I feel like a lot of times yeah. in terms of these eras, we've, we get a, a vague, um, stretch of time, not knowing specifically how long they are, but the book here references 500 years. What did you, what was your take on that? I like
2: it. Um, there may be references to like timelines of what happens, with the rest of the Age of Sigmar itself, that gets a little bit more wonkier. But as far as the Age of Chaos goes, 500 years is a great time to show chaos taking over, conquering the realms. And then one of the s- stories here is Corn gets bored. 500 years is too much time to not have any true foes. So I think it walks that like perfect line of enough time for things to happen, but not being like, millennia long of just absolutely just the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. 500 years can give you such a crick in the neck <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> uh, but right. i
4: also All like right. these,
1: <laughs> it's 500 years because it's a understandable amount of time right yeah. like um it it allows for somebody to have been mortal devote themselves to the chaos gods and like They've lived a long life if they, they devoted themselves immediately but survived, right? Uh, it, it, it allows for an understandable amount of time for people to be whittled down, but some are still alive. I think that's one of the things that I always had a harder time with is, if the Age of Chaos is so long, how could anybody have survived living out in the realms without any protection after Sigmar went into Azir? If it's you know thousand years or fifteen hundred years, it just seems like ridiculous. But like five hundred years sounds like a long time, but it doesn't sound like forever. And I, I think that was one of the things in the early lore for the Age of Sigmar where it was hard to understand. You were like these people are fleeing and they're always running, and these are the only people that survived, right? But now in the same place where we started off, right in the Great Parch. Where Kurgus Cole was going and the stormcast first came down, right? Where we had that story of the tribe just running from nowhere to nowhere to just try and avoid death. We have, oh yes, the Aglaraxi were here, and they were able to hold out because, right? Oh no, the the Iridians were here, and they actually have a city that survived the entire time, right? We're getting the pieces that make the reclaimed. More believable, and they make the reclaimed more, more victorious, and like you can understand more the pride they would have that like no, we lasted through this, right? We have these places of safety, um, that allowed civilization to survive and a lot of people to survive, and I, I appreciate that a lot because it gives you a frame of reference that makes it believable.
0: God, I love cities that survived the age of chaos. Bad props, um. I like that age of chaos had a definitive beginning and a definitive end, like in that, like it's between two ages, so it makes all the more sense then that we would know how long it was. Because like there are clear, I mean, maybe maybe up for debate when the age of chaos started per se, but I bet you if you lived in the realms, you brought a, you weren't alive back then, but like you would have a pretty clear idea Mm -hmm. when age of chaos hit, Um, and like when the stormcast roll is when age of Sigmar starts, right? So because of that, like it shouldn't necessarily be all that up to like up to interpretation it seems like you should have clear guidelines and so the fact that it lined it up to 500 years seems like a good chunk of time as any
4: no yeah it checks Um, out
0: yeah I will say, I, th- I heard a couple people mention that this is like the first time that 500 years has ever been brought up. Maybe that's true that it's explicitly 500 years, but I think they've alluded to a similar amount of time previously. And the reason I bring that up is because we've had this exact conversation about a year ago. I found the receipts in the Discord <sighs> talking about how yes. long it was. Um, so somewhere else, I think it might have been brought up, maybe in one of the campaign books or something. Um, so they've been hinting at this time or this stretch of time for a
3: bit. They say something earlier on in one of the other books that it was the half a century of the age of chaos. Mm -hmm. And it's something like that in one of the other books. I think I
0: I read somewhere else that someone might have thrown – they might have thrown out like 400 years, which is – you can just round up, I guess.
2: Or
1: just an unreliable narrator.
2: (laughs) Right. Well, speaking of unreliable narrator, the reason Aaron has receipts is because I asked the question in our (laughs) chat and then he looked it up and then I was the one who a year ago answered the question
0: for someone else. (laughs)
2: So it comes up so few and far between, even people who knew at one
0: point forgot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and actually, you were talking talking to Darth Alec back then, and I think you were talking to him again this time. Right. Not
1: only did the reclaimed exist in Age of Sigmar, but we reclaim knowledge in our own Discord. <laughs> present.
0: That's one of my favorite... <laughs> my favorite Aaron moments all right um <laughs> cool. uh so I mentioned Stormcast, Lightning Bolts, Lightning Bolts, Lightning Bolts, Age of Sigmar starts um we're here we made it guys Whew. uh that was a quick 500 yeah. um I'll ask what what did the Age of Sigmar mean for uh the Slaves to Darkness or Chaos as a whole what what does this era bring uh for this faction um how, how do things change for them how do they stay the same um what's it what's it mean for the Slaves to Darkness what do you guys think?
1: Um, I like the, the story of at the starless gates, it talks about how a resurrecting the gash returns to annihilate a chaos horde. And then he begins his campaign to retake shyish entirely. Um, so the, the interesting thing to me is that he came from somewhere else, um, into the realm, which is, Antithetical towards the God of Death being outside of the God, outside of the realm of death to resuscitate, but that's because the Nagashazar was taken. Um, but it also implies that during the Battle of Burning Skies, that he was not corporeal; he was almost in spirit form. Because they talked about when Nagashazar was taken, and I think it was slightly before in the book itself. Um, so
0: yeah, so he. Um, he yeah, was defeated so, and, and like his Mortarch had to like scurry his body away to like Stigax because he had to go to like a pocket room.
1: Yeah. And so that's that's in this timeline for the Age of Chaos before the Battle of Burning Skies. So yeah. if that's true, then that, that adds a completely different dimension to Nagash's presence and Nagash's commitment to the Battle of Burning Skies.
0: You can't hold. I mean, you can hold his absence against him when he was fine and didn't show up, like right. in his earlier battles. I mean, he was he was literally like incapacitated for this, I can't I can't hold that against him for not showing right. up to, to burning skies because he's uh, he's barely sentient at that point. Um, mm.
1: Well, it, it it reminds me of the the book that we read, Nagash, the Undying King, which is a great book, and like so, it reminds me more of that as where the Mortarks are kind of in charge. So it. All I'm saying is that the Battle of Burning Skies has now become a really interesting point in fiction for the lore of the the mortal realms. Because we have so many different ideas thrown around and it's such a pivotal time. I feel like it's something that, you know, maybe at some point we'll get a historical book of being like, this was what the Battle of Burning Skies was. These are the forces that were in charge or, or, you know, were part of the combat and
0: stuff like that. I think it's it would be really fun to have something like that. I mean, there's so many
3: historical points that I want to read about that right. people just have to wait patiently for. <laughs> um, with some of those, like, was that in any of those early, early campaign books from the original Age of Sigmar, Paul? Uh, okay. I haven't been able to go through those in ages, but they were like the the All Gates and like the Quest for Galmaraz, like those books.
1: Yep. But those are all things that happened after the Stormcast came back to the realms. So this okay. would actually be in the age of chaos, and I don't yeah. know that we have anything that was in the age of
0: chaos. But like that would be a cool place to visit, right? Yeah, we barely even have any Black Library stuff from back then. Yeah, I mean, Undying mm-hmm. King is from back then, but uh, very few other things are. Um, a book I'll recommend later, or a novella I'll recommend later was as well. Other uh, early Age of Sigmar uh, stories or thoughts. Uh, um, you talk about?
2: Yeah, since Event had sort of mentioned the. Uh, All gates, I just, it was so cool to see this happen live and just like looking back on it. It's just super fun, which is the war at the all gates, which is the realm gate wars have been progressing. Sigmar and his allies have been moving across the realms and there is a final battle for the all gates, a final battle for control of this super special thing to overthrow Archeon, to defeat evil. And the good guys just get womped. <laughs> they just get smacked away. They have like some wins here or there. They shut down a few gates. Destruction does its job. But Archaon wins this fight, which is just super cool to like, you see all all of this buildup for the good guys. People were saying Age of Sigmar is too noble, bright, and then chaos pulls out the win. Um, which I just I loved seeing this happen as it was kind of
0: happening. I know I, I see what side you're on. I guess i mean I'm crestfallen over here. I got my hopes <laughs> dashed, and you're like, uh, go chaos.
2: Yeah, Sigmar is my first army, but I'm really <laughs> liking the this new book a lot. Sure,
0: All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um,
3: other stories or thoughts about this early, uh, yeah, I guess, Realm Gate Wars. I mean, you you also have at the end of that though. It talks about how uh, Fangathrak um (laughs) it gets uh gets released uh by by the iron jaws and it's kind of neat to see as you read through that like iron jaws and greenskins are kind of the bad guys for chaos too they're not like these like you know just plebeians that are here to muck it all up or the plot device that got in the way they're like a real threat to both chaos and order and i thought that was kind of neat to see chaos be like no no they're the bad guys too though (laughs) like i'm bad i know but like they're worse like have you guys seen what these guys are doing over here (laughs) they ate your whole village we took like half come on now like you could even sign up with us go try and sign up with an orc try it try it <laughs> um, but I thought that was kind of cool because it, it, like, again, this this book is so well written. It feels like they're like, but those those dastardly orcs and gur, they screwed up my plans again. oh <laughs> Well, if we're
0: talking about bad guys and foiled plans, you might throw a third hat into that ring. And that uh, Nagash is going to say he's back in the land of the living or undead. Oh, I right? guess and yeah. he's he's yet another uh, uh, not. I guess, a tertiary bad guy uh, to both chaos and, and destruction and order. And uh, we all know the, the the story we've covered a couple times now, but his... Uh, we're going to go into the a- AOS 2.0 timeframe, his, um, time tribulations, the Necroquake, he does his, uh, business and you guys maybe will, will, recall that when, um, his plan was about to come to fruition, it was a, an organization of all the other grand alliances arrayed against him. Um, maybe not an alliance per se across, the, but they're all rolled up to stop him. And that's, I think where we got introduced to, I can't remember her name, but the Dark Oath War Queen was reading it. The- Murakar Bloodsquare. Oh. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, and mm-hmm. so she was—I um, don't know—at least a named character. I don't know if she's pivotal or not. Um, a named character leading a large contingent of chaos to help um, try and stop Nagash. Of course, they themselves weren't successful, but rather the Skaven were in bringing that—not um, maybe not crashing Hulk, but like disrupting it enough that we got you know the AOS 2.0 yeah. uh, timeframe that we know and love. Um, that was the only, and I just added way more to that story than what was in this book they don't spend right. a lot of time talking about that uh, soul wars era um i'll ask if you guys have anything to add otherwise we can keep on keeping on
1: um so i think that's probably a good moment to add to a point that i had while reading this book and while listening to the last episode that you guys did um for the ogres and eric was talking about how there were things that were missing out of that book. Same thing here. There were things that are missing out of this book. Um,
0: Quick question. Wait a second. Uh, patron of the show, Milhern. I was going to ask this later, but I'll, if you're going to talk about knowledge, now, i just bring it up. Patron of the show, Milhern, they ask, oh, with the addition of new units, has some lore disappeared compared to older books? That's not exactly what he's asking, but if we're going to talk about stuff that's missing, here's your trigger. There you go, Milhern. Go.
1: Well, here's the thing, is that when we had... And I'm going to go back into the Warhammer Fantasy Battles because it's the closest thing we have to talking about this idea. We had some ideas that were there and then dropped in Warhammer Fantasy Battles just because there's a certain number of pages for every every battle tome, every army book. And when you write a new one, you have to add something in. One of the things that happened in Warhammer Fantasy Battles is you would look for the new paragraphs, right? There would be everything that you had already read before, and then you would look for like the, the 10 or 12 new paragraphs that introduced new unit type, or something else that you hadn't realized about what had happened before. And so it was something that was worth doing to go back and find the old army books, because you would find these tidbits of lore that were really interesting. Now we have that in Age of Sigmar, but as opposed to in Warhammer fantasy battles, when those pieces of lore were overruled because everything was happening at the same time, those pieces of lore were specific to a specific place in time. Right? Um, so because the battle tome for slaves to darkness is now in 3.0, some of the stories from 2.0 are not realm changing anymore. Some of the stories from 2.0 are about characters that may have died, right? Or may Mm -hmm. have had things happen to them. And so it's actually worth going back and finding old battle tomes to find those pieces of lore, but they're no longer overruled. We haven't said, oh, that's not how the world works anymore, which is what happened in Warhammer Fantasy Battles a lot, of like, whatever happened to the wizard with the machine gun? Oh, he doesn't exist anymore. Whatever happened to the Femir? Well, they weren't there. There was a, a classic mini. Aaron's giving me questioning looks.
0: No, the machine gun is, is what I'm questioning. There's yeah. what? There I was
1: a wizard know. with a full machine gun that was cannon in Warhammer, before oh, Warhammer no, Fantasy Was battles. it a
0: machine gun or was it a canon? It was literally a machine straight. gun. It was like if, an if, Uzi. It, yeah.
3: The full well, wizard with yeah. the hat and everything, right? Well, no, I mean, you, isn't it like a belt-fed gun? It looks like an auto stubber or a yeah. heavy stubber. It, it is crazy. Yeah, and he's got it like hip-mounted like he's all angry yeah. it's it's a it's a cool mini um and i think he was one of the early ones i got because i used him in D D to be like yep. ah the summoner from this weird tower has a machine gun
4: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah
3: yep um and so
1: yep. it to answer that question has lore been dropped no um has lore been added yes but do you have to go back and look at those old battle tomes to find it No, you can just listen to old episodes of The Mortal Realms because we talked about it when it came out. Yeah,
0: Yeah, but this is the first, I mean, yes, this is the first uh, Slaves to Darkness episode, though. Yeah, well,
2: specifically, though, one thing that's not in this book, because it goes, War at the All Gates, there's a paragraph saying what the Soul Wars was, and then it jumps to Broken Realms. Mm -hmm. So if you want to learn more lore that it will not be in this battle tome, Go listen to anything, including Wrath of the Everchosen, because that book does not make an appearance on the timeline.
3: Yeah, true. No, nope. it does appear in the book earlier. The yes. Book, when yeah, they talk, they talk- the way they talk about where he's like, I'm angry and blowing up these i get to fight two more tarks. i like right. how it also in that part of the book like he just glosses lady olender being like cool bye like <laughs> peace <laughs> i gotta go make a deal with uh balacor now it'll be cool we'll catch you later yeah. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye <laughs> Well, hey, speaking of
0: Broken Realms, I guess we can hop into the AOS 3.0. Um, what uh, what is this new age? I mean, that's I think maybe the question on a lot of people's minds when they get these 3.0 books is what does this new age mean for the army that we're talking about? And so, what does uh, the era era of the beasts um, mean for the slaves of darkness? How do they how do they take it?
3: Not well. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I feel like I feel like Cragno shows up, and uh, just in general, the forces of chaos are kind of like oh, wow, he's breaking a lot of stuff. Could this be an opportunity? And the answer was an unabashed no. Um, yeah, he's like, not today, friends. Uh, I would say it's a totally bashed no, not an unabashed Yeah, <laughs> it's a to- totally bashed no, <laughs> accurately. Um, I mean, even in even those those Broken Realms books, uh, you, you talk about the dragon ogres, not in this book, not another book, but they... They show up, and they're like, hey, look, Cragnos, you're our dad, remember? And we were worshiping these guys. Look at all these cool new powers. And he smashes their temple and kills all of them in, in this area and then, like, yep. goes on his quest. And then, you know, he gets transferred into another fortress. Like, I'm sorry, your princess is in the wrong castle. He shows up at this castle and breaks it to smithereens, too. And Cragnos goes on a clobbering spree, and 90% of it's chaos. is just rough. Um, <laughs> yeah, I should say because there there is some opportunity if you're the top
2: dog right now let's say archaeon not great if you're the dude who's trying to replace archaeon this is perfect 10 out of 10.
0: oh yeah he considers this an absolute win yeah yeah
3: wow you can't win in Gur. that'd be cute (laughs) 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 it's a shame
0: (laughs) speaking of bellicore and this time frame or in this era uh obviously he has a part to play himself as well he had his own machinations um and actually to that end uh, i'll say we've talked about the curse uh cursed guys before when we, when we did our um broken realms reviews uh but kieran has a question and guys Kieran's back. And if you thought he asked a lot of questions last episode, boy, do I have a surprise for you. Um, <laughs> so much so that you're going to hear a lot of Kieran in this episode. Kieran, thank you very much for all the questions that you offered. we got, got a lot of Kieran here in- coming up. Yeah, you're going to be hearing, <laughs> hearing a lot of Kieran. Uh, but uh, considering how many questions you're going to hear in this, I had to cut. This is a fraction of the questions that he asked. Um, I had to cut so many. There are many on the cutting room <laughs> floor. All very good ones. I just, we just, uh, we just won't have time you know what Kieran should get on a, a podcast at some point um, at any rate uh, that would be Kieran awesome asks, <laughs> at any rate uh, they ask uh, Cursed Guys question uh, mark are the Cursed Guys still in effect throughout the realms? Has Bellacor updated them in any way especially in response to the Thunderstrike armor of the Stormcast um, and does he seem to care that they can escape this Cursed guys? so to that end we know that uh, Bellacor created the Cursed Guys. if you want to know how go listen to that other episode they're still in effect today they're still out there has anything been made of like an update to it at all? Has anything transpired on that front?
1: Ooh, who wants to talk about it? There's one character in specific. Yeah.
2: So it's, I, I will say there's a character that we definitely should talk about here in a moment. As far as like anything Bellicor did to the skies themselves, he hasn't given many patches, no updates. It's a numbers game. He knows even if a percentage breaks through, He's gonna get enough. He's gonna get what he needs to kind of do what he needs to do, uh, more or less.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't really. And there's no real expansion to the cursed guides themselves. It does yeah. reiterate the fact that like the chaos guides are chaos gods are pretty stoked that he did it in the first place mm-hmm. um, yeah. and i think maybe we knew that a little bit but it's it's reiterated here that like chaos of gods are like "Ooh, good job we're still not going to promote you but like it's uh, a good uh good uh good move um you really contributed to the the mission um yeah. here um but i yeah i haven't seen much updates at least as it relates to like uh, a web to catch stormcast at all so i think it just is where we left him, No real changes. Um, but like Will mentioned, there's more to come on a particular individual when we get to our special characters. Um, and I had forgotten to mention when we were talking about the Arab Beast, Chrisling had asked, um, how are the Slaves to Darkness reacting to the arrival of Kragnos? But we touched on that a little bit. Um,
2: I, I was going to say, like Archeon does have a very angry and aggressive reaction uh, to it. We had mentioned Kragnos just gets sent to a random chaos castle, those dudes call for help and Arkan answers and he brings the eighth circle of Barengard guard out and they were too slow. <laughs> the, the end of empires is faster than the slayer of Kings. Uh, and he was out of there before Arcan could show up and Arcan did the classic bad guy move of taking it out on his own
0: guys. Which I think that's in the there's the um, TV or no what is it? It's like the the list of bad guy things to do, and one of the like rules to be a good villain is never take things out on your own uh, on your own dudes because it yeah just ruins your whole organization. Just ruins morale. Um, yeah. So I didn't know at the end of Broken Realms that the fortress to which they sent Kragnos was an important place um mm-hmm. and maybe it was only made important retroactively but like in the moment i just thought well this here's this random place that they, they sent him to it was a chaos bar just haha isn't that funny and he smashed uh-huh. the whole thing down but apparently it was relatively a relatively big deal in Gur, right he was still anger um enough yeah. so that Arcan was going to roll up and try and like s- stop him um and then as we found out he was too late so um it's rare that battle tones actually like continue a given story beat i thought that was just going to be a one and done and drops, but no it actually continued on it actually and informs the current state to some degree of what the slaves to darkness are doing today mm-hmm. um I, I think it not only informs it i feel like
1: it's it actually adds to it more yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um so for example it says that um arcane had pulled strings to send both sigvald and Glutos or
2: scrollion, towards
1: excelsis mm-hmm. i don't know that we knew that before
2: i don't know so we that. did it was never in any of the broken realms books but there was a short story mm-hmm. where the two of them are like fighting okay. and then they get distracted and are too busy fighting each other that they never show up in time
1: yeah um but i don't remember that arcan was the one who sent them it's kind of my point
2: oh gotcha
1: right and arcan yeah you're right right and so what we're seeing here is we're seeing Bellacor win, and we are seeing Archaon lose. Yeah. His plan doesn't come to fruition. And then he decides, well, they didn't do it. I'm going to go myself, and I'm going to go find them, right? But then his plan, again, doesn't come to fruition. We have the poster boy, biggest name character there is in Slaves to Darkness, and he is constantly losing. We have never had a battle tome where the main character, the main driver of the entire force just loses and loses and loses. And that's a completely different way. Like, usually, yeah. even if we had a main character that didn't succeed, the story would be told from the perspective of he did everything that he could. Right. Or he still gets to lead the army because he's amazing, right? Cuz if you read the Seraphon and you read about Lord Croak, yeah. he's failed over and over again. He failed to like to actually preserve the Old World. But in his battle tome, he's still the hero. He's still the center of the story. In this battle tome, Archaon is still the hero, but he's not winning anymore. His victory was in the Old World. Bellicor's mm-hmm. victory is in the new world. Is really what this battle home said to me, and so it's oh, yeah. they're not only saying that he's losing, but they're tying up these loose threads that they had left from Broken Realms. Where did Kragnos go to? He went to this specific place. Who was trying to stop him? It was Archaeon, but you know what? He was too late. Right, and it, it's awesome. It's awesome to see that written in that style because it's completely different from anything
3: else that we've seen written before all he does is lose 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 no matter what um Mm -hmm. yeah so uh i mean with like another example this is Gardas steel soul right like Gardas, gardus's win record is is shorter than me and i'm like 211 most days (laughs) me and and the gnomes right but uh like he, he doesn't do a great job of winning he's at best i'm gonna slow him down and uh i think that like but you read the stormcast book and gardus is a hero gardus is somebody who's given so much all the time for the cause of sigmar and goodness then he's he, he makes Archeon look like a real winner right like mm-hmm. and yeah and you get to you know this book and it's like Archeon fails like what well, it feels like we're bullying him like the book feels like it's like a bunch of the Varenguard like standing around the bubbler, and Archeon comes up. He's like, What's up, guys? And they're like, Oh, you suck. I mean, <laughs> have some water. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like jumping
2: out of the section of straight stories, but like, yeah, he fails so badly and takes it out on his own guys to the point that the, the Varenguard, the fact, like the group of folks who specifically followed him, a whole circle. Are no longer kind of giving praise to Archaon. They're kind of looking to someone else for leadership. Like he's he's fumbling the ball that hard, but not you though.
0: You're still neutral. Yeah, I'm still neutral. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he sucks. Yeah. But no sides. <laughs> he <sense. laughs> <That, it> sucks. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, a lot of times, the way I classify these battle tomes is: does this battle tome push even even try to push the story forward at all, or is it purely a retrospective on things that we already know? This one, I think leans towards the camp of it gives us a little bit of glimpse into uh forward forward facing new information that we didn't know about the present day and to that end i uh, i will give mm-hmm. this book credit it'll it'll factor into my review when we get to the end um for sure
1: yeah. i'm gonna tie in one other question here from bremen does the book doc, the book touch on rk on the everton's reaction to bellicor's plotting and scheming absolutely what we've just been talking about is in there but then we also have um, him trying to defend the eight points as well, and so we get the stuff from Wrath of the Everchosen, we're getting more and more plot threads to go through with that. Um, so, yeah, if that's something you're interested in, there is a ton of information about that all throughout this book. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, right on. Um, all right, uh, era, Beasts, current day, timeline, uh, present, current events. Any other thoughts uh, about these topics?
3: Uh, it was nice to know what the Ogroid feel like with uh, Cragnos, and I, I felt... Yep. Um, that was that was just a nice way to tie it up. Um, that he's like, cool. They they need to go right. These these guys are all angry and fighty. Archeon's like, cool. Why don't you go siege Gur? Yeah. Right. Cute story, bro. Go break your homies. If, um, if you say so, each. Uh, but I just I thought that was a neat way to to go about showing what the Ogroids were with the new models and with the models that have been out for a while. It's one of those uh, races, kind of like the Fomorite Crushers came out, and they're like, "This is what they are, and this is how they work, and this is how they do." But the Ogreids I feel like, they needed this explanation, uh, mm-hmm. especially with uh, a larger model range coming out and with with more more fluff being needed. I think they needed a little extra story push. Yeah, and this yeah. This, this little burb here gives them so much.
0: And it's neat that like this relatively new race already has like three separate like unit entries, which is more than most like new races ever. It's almost its own army at this point, uh, the, the Ogroids. Um, so
1: the other thing is um, the Legacy of the Slayer. And so obviously at this point, if you haven't understood it, I love Archeon and I love his story. And there's a lot of Archeon in this book. Um, the story Legacy of the Slayer talks about um, Vandis Hammerhand and it talks about why he's having these visions, right? We, we saw a lot of that in Broken Realms. He's having these visions because the Slayer of Kings, right? Oh, this is cra- like Also, by the way, he's chained up when he's not on missions in the Sigmar Abelum. In case you were wondering why we haven't heard anything from him, because he's literally been chained up because he can do terrible things now. That's sad. Right? Um, Mortar Catacros his soul rehoused in a new body after his duel, and his thoughts are invaded by visions of chaos. Each time he has his mortal form destroyed and his mortisons build him a new body of bone, but it makes little difference, right? We've got a Mortar going crazy because of this, right? And this is my favorite. And in Shaman, deep in the bowels of a quick civil volcano, the solar Drake Max opens one baleful eye, a glimmer of dark magic within. Like, so you... you Brought up a bunch of plot threads that were left hanging, and made them continue to go forward, and then yeah. you started even more, awesome, like fantastic. That's exactly what I want to read in the battle tome.
0: Probably one of, if not my favorite parts of the entire book is talking about like the, those effects. Um, I'll mention. Kieran had asked a question about this. It was a long question. I won't go through the whole thing, but he wanted to know about those very things. So, mm-hmm. um, then with that all being said, I can cap this timeline uh, thing off by saying or asking another question from uh, Fredericks who wanted to know given after all that timeline, all the things that have happened, all the, all the events that we've seen that have uh, occurred because of, or to the slaves of darkness, do we still think are the slaves of darkness still the dominant mortal faction in the realms or has the forces of order or death or destruction stabilized things? Are they still the the, the man to beat? Yes. I'm seeing thumbs up. I'm seeing point pointer fingers up, which is a weird way to, (laughs) that <laughs> you said, man to beat, so I was pointing up, oh, gotcha he's uh, um, he the man on top, yeah he is um
2: yeah, the book still calls it out that um the vast majority of the realms are still chaos um there's been a lot of setbacks, chaos is on the the back foot, but they're still the top dog
3: i I would argue against uh I think this book talks about the setbacks they're having, but the regularity with which they're having setbacks and the slow plod forward isn't isn't indicative of them being the top dog anymore. It it very much seems to me that Bailakor is gonna let Archeon fail and let him let the great upheaval happen, right? And watch watch Chaos Forces burn so he can come back and reclaim and be that pillar against. Uh, when they talk about the story of Eternus and I know we're gonna get there. Um, it talks about how he's sitting under the skies of Kaemon just so he can kind of enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. You've got an empty throne on one hand with Archeon and you have Balakor going, cool, man, like, look what I've done. What have you done lately, Archeon? Oh, that's right. Lost a fortress, lost there, lost here, lost here. You can barely even keep the Ogroids in check because... A god woke up. Oh, big, scary Archeon. I thought you were going to fight four chaos gods and show them what's up. Isn't that what you said? Isn't that what you said? Um, And I think right now the big dog to beat, right, is when you look at where those setbacks happen, it's against the green skins. It's against the orders of the forces of destruction. You see mega gargants showing up in battles that they just weren't ready for. You see, um, you know, ogres destroying all sorts of things throughout the realms as they go. Uh, and you see the green skins and the green tide. You see Godrek on a winning streak that just the only time it's been slowed up is when he tied with Kragnos this one time. Like a loose definition of tied, but okay, sure. Oh <laughs> no, I mean I, th- I think he had him. Um <laughs> and then, he
0: walked, and then he walked away from the fight. Yes, I guess that is probably yeah, tied. Yeah yeah
3: he did pretty good. Yeah. I mean he lost his mock crusher and that's sad because Kragnos is also a team killing f- friendo. But
0: uh <laughs> I mean I'm Team Gordrak. I'm on I'm, I'm Team Gordrak for sure. So
3: yeah yeah no I just I think I think they're the ones to beat right now. I think if you're looking at yeah, there's plenty of chaos, but Gur has been a losing front for literally everybody but destruction.
4: Sure,
3: um, yeah. That's a flashpoint right now. You look at Cayman, uh, you know, we just talked about it in the Zeech thing. There's only one lord uh, of the crux, but it also, like, doesn't talk about the forces of destruction that are elsewhere in Cayman that we see in other books that are winning. Um You see other forces pushing things in. God beasts are waking up. Those are forces of destruction. They're not going to sign up to be like, hey, we're friends with chaos because, you know, we're buddy-buddy with these things that hunt us down. But with Kragnos waking up and waking up god beasts, uh, everybody should feel on the back foot with the exception of, I think, the destruction forces who are hunting down god beasts and hunting down uh, anything that looks remotely close to civilization, just to smash it. Cute, you have an organization based on meritocracy, chaos. That that'd be real shame if we broke down your walls and killed your leaders. You know, <laughs> it's wild to me that destruction looks at chaos and says, "Too organized, not right? No thanks." Houses neat, yeah. Touch some grass, buddy. Yeah. This is the
0: era for that. Yes, I agree to some degree. Yeah. Uh, agree to some degree that uh, in the era of beasts, yes, there is a, the element of ascendancy to destruction, and because that the, the uh, chaos is going to be on the back foot for sure. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, that's uh, where things lie currently. Um, how about we keep on going? How about we uh, leave the timeline behind? Let's live in the right. live in the now and uh, talk about like how this faction is organized, which is a very vague question, but. Um, as much as you can say any chaos uh, faction is organized, how do we find that the the Slaves to Darkness is organized? Besides the fact that Arcana is at the tippy 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 top, um, do you get anything about the organizational
3: uh, elements strike you guys or how they live uh, while they're kicking it at home? It's very much the uh, the path to glory, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to have to mm-hmm. beat my leader. I'm going to have to beat my next person. Um, I think the uh, the War Cry short in um, the Inferno book, I think it was Inferno 5, Mm -hmm. uh, where the Spire Tyrants uh, show up and they're fighting the Corvus Cabal, and the main character of the story kills all the Corvus, and then more things happen, not to spoil stories. Uh, So it just, it it turns into, I'm not only going to be the best, I'm going to be the best of the best. I'm going to be so strong that Archeon or you know, the demon prince that the unmade follow or the, mm-hmm. uh, the local chaos Lord or the dominar. I want to be the person that they are, or I want to be noticed by them to the point where I can kill them and take their glory and build a war band of my own and, and declare things for myself. And you see that in a lot of the, the story writing, right? It's in the red feast. It's in, um, the, a lot of the shorts in general where they just, yeah. I'm going to be the bigger, better, stronger, um, regardless of if it's the war cry novels or any of the other stuff that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah. To some surprise, the, the faction that worships chaos is not very organized. Uh, Cause it is just all those war bands where everyone's just trying to one up each other. Some war bands are stagnant because everyone's just backstabbing each other. And then those that grow just absorb more. And it's just this constant churn. Uh, it's the meat grinder of people seeking glory. Well, and and
1: the thing I like about this book, too, is that it talks about how every war band, um, every group is led by some kind of charismatic leader and they have different ways of defining who that charismatic leader is. Either they have the most mutations or they're the best fighter or they just give the best speeches like it can be literally anything. But even when they have they have a little force organization chart and they're like, it's this war band led by this guy and this war band led by this guy. And that's always something I really liked because I, I, the first army I ever bought was Slaves to Darkness way back in the day. And um, back then, in 5th edition Warhammer Fantasy Battles, in order to build an army, first you had to build a hero. And then you built a retinue for that hero.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you bought another hero and you, built, you bought a retinue for that hero. And the amount of points you spent on the hero was how large that retinue was allowed to be. And this book very much reads like the armies are structured like that. There's a hero, and then he has a retinue based on how powerful he is, and then another hero with a retinue. So it's not that Archaon is leading Archaon's army. Archaon is leading his. He's leading the army, but the army is all led by these other sub commanders and these other followers of those sub commanders. Um, so. That was I, I like that a lot because it's a, a callback to Warhammer Fantasy Battles and how they originally did it, but just it's a really interesting way to organize an army. Um, and
0: but I think it's fun and super cool, yeah. This is, I think, the first, um, or maybe the only Sleeves of Darkness book that I've ever read, but it's noteworthy to me that it, it includes the war cry war bands in here and really makes them you know a mm-hmm. core component to the army, which is pretty neat. Yeah. And because then I bring it up now because. So many of those cultures are so diverse. One of the hallmarks of how did this how does affection live at home? We are, uh home, oftentimes being the eight points, if they're not out, you know, crusading, and it's full of these disparate cultures that have found themselves in this eight point. And there is no one way in terms of how they live at home. It's such a wide range of cults that, um, for, I mean, for every permutation of a chaos god that exists out there, some interpretation of what the chaos, what it means to follow chaos, there's a cult that follows it that way. And although we have what is an 10 or something double digits number of these war cry war bands at this point that those are just a small fraction of just the diversification of what it means to be a cult following um you know chaos and so the the point being is there's now there's no one way to follow chaos as it as it relates to the slaves yeah. of darkness like corn likes it one way nurgle likes it one way but when you're sort of that undivided you're still trying to figure out what it means to follow chaos like there there is no right answer um which i thought was pretty neat I mentioned the eight points. By no means is that the only place that you're going to find the followers of Chaos. In fact, we've explicitly said that they control a lot of the moral realms at this point. However, if you definitively wanted to find uh, followers of Archeon and the, the Undivided Chaos Gods, a great place to look would be in the eight points. Um, I think we had a couple questions sort of t- covering around the eight points. Does it spend much time talking about the eight points or like the Varen Spire at all? I, I'm surprised. I thought there'd be more, frankly. Um, did mm-hmm. anything jump out at you guys uh, in this year book about that place
1: um they do talk a little bit about how after Archaon fails to do anything about Kragnos, he comes back and he does go through the realm gate where um gordrak is with all the spider fang and he just kind of blasts through because he's like eh, i'm not dealing with you right now you're not the person i'm concerned with so he uses the um the realm gate that gordrak has and then he also comes back and assaults the Arc Terminus, which was from the Wrath of the Everchosen. So we do have some momentum moving forward, but as is appropriate for the the, the commander who refuses to sit on the throne until he's conquered everything, we don't actually get much of the Varenspire. Spire, um, which is a little sad because it is the capital. And usually you would think the capital would have some kind of like city map or something was what they've been doing a lot lately and we don't have that in this battle
0: tome it's around this topic that i'm maybe most disappointed about the book and and i think a couple of people, people had asked questions that i won't even ask because we didn't get many of their the answers for it um but uh a i would have liked to spend more, more time there for sure um b paul you just mentioned one of my biggest hang-ups about this book is two different times Archeon goes blowing through a realm gate, one of the major realm gates into the eight points that are controlled by other people, which previously were huge story beats that, like, they finally were able to wrest control (laughs) of these realm gates back and so death was able to get the end gate and destruction. It was a big deal that they, like, uh, wrangled um, the worm that the gate was in the mouth of. Um, So it was was important that those gates were taken by somebody else. Big big gains. And you're trying to tell me Archeon can just waltz through it whenever he wants? Then what was the point? Why did we even care then if he could just roll up? I understand like it maybe it was a a quick like jaunt through. He's uh, super powerful. By no means would he be able to control it? Yada, yada, yada. If you can walk through it, then it's not a big deal that someone else owns it. (laughs) Which was a bummer to me. It didn't have to be that way. If you wanted to get him to Gur, he can take six different other realm gates to get there. He didn't have to go through the one that was owned by somebody else. He owns all the other ones. (laughs) That was dumb. (laughs)
1: I will go back, not to counter your point, because your point is very valid, right? But I will go back to how this book is set up, where Archaeon is losing. Sure. So I think the reason why they didn't talk about those is because those are Archaeon winning. Right? (laughs) He went to go through the Realm Gate, and he succeeded. He went to go assault the Ark Terminus and he succeeded. But that's not the theme of this book. Because the theme of this book is that Archaeon is
0: losing, and Bellacor is winning. I... I mean, I didn't argue with you guys before. I don't intrinsically think that is completely the point, but I, I won't. I, I'll I'll let you uh, have that for sure. Well No, uh, yeah, but you can you can argue. You are allowed to argue. No, no, I don't want to. I
1: don't
3: want um, <laughs> to. I argue I don't all wanna. the time. Are you yeah.
0: kidding me?
2: It's almost like the narrator of the book has a bias towards yeah. one side over the other.
0: <laughs> Quite possibly. Well, and Bell new. He's like a newer model, and like this this sort of sub we're yeah. going to talk more about it but this the division is kind of a newer thing and they want to focus on it um the, the third thing that was bothering me it was related to it not spending much time on the variance bar is what yeah. they do spend time on is a whole double page spread plus a map on the next page about like the history of Ashie. frankly i do not care that is unrelated to the thing that we're reading about right now sure like they yeah. give uh, lip service to like some slaves to darkness but they spend just as much time talking about like corn's history and Ashie. How, mm-hmm. how did that make it into the book like that that not necessary, unnecessary focus on the, like focus on the topic. It can, I'm going to need you to focus up. Um, And that was a, such a jarring inclusion that it really had no, no place in the book. If you ask me, I think it's a downside of a thing I praised the book for earlier, which is, Oh, this book
2: set the table for when age of Sigmar kicked off all those years ago, it kicked off in this area. So the, they felt like they needed to catch up that area in this book where, they didn't need to. No. Orn was the bad guy in the first battle box, not slave to
0: darkness in general. Yeah. They could have they could have done away without that part. Sure. They should have done the double page spread and then the map. That should have been eight points. That should have been Varenspire right? or, or Bloodwind Spoil or what any of those places in wait, Bloodwind Spoil is Warcry, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah. It should have been any of those places. It, it was a real... It, plus, we don't get a lot of those maps, right? I mean, I guess it was in Warcry, but the heck, I bet that there's a lot of people who are into AOS who don't do Warcry, which is dumb. You should do both. Um, who, who don't <laughs> know about it, that would have been the place to do it. So that was a, a weird misstep, if you ask me. Um, well, in Warcry, War Cry
2: gets so much love in this book anyways that, like, it would have made perfect sense to have that double-page spread because there's a multiple-page spread of the different Warcry warbands. Yeah. So it would have been cool to see a map of that, like,
0: to be paired with it. Yeah. Mistake. Um, Do you guys have more thoughts?
3: I think one of the reasons they might not have done that was in that the warbands are now, they're trying to show that they're not just the eight points, to become, like, maybe a crisis of image. Like, here's where they live in in the eight points. This is where most of the untamed beasts roam, and this is where the Darko Savagers roam. But also you know, they're everywhere else too. Right. Um, yeah. and I think it would be, it would, it would maybe give them that conflict of identity. Yeah. <laughs> Which I've also spoken at length
0: on how much I wish they'd just stay in the eight points for Warcry, but that's a different <laughs> conversation entirely. I think they should probably just do other wedges of the eight points, but that's fine. Um, the, uh, the, uh, did I ask Chrisling's question? How did, did I get into the topic without actually the, asking the prompt? Um, What's the chrysling's question was uh how much control do the non-chaos factions have over the eight points now i think that's how i got into my whole spiel about Mm. the the gates so sorry chrysling i asked that order that's really common for me now at this point
2: i say the i guess based on what you were saying the amount of control they have is like a toll booth operator that never collects the
0: toll (laughs) it's like driving (laughs) through one of those open road tolls without without the ipass yeah (laughs) just doing whatever you want and then not going online and paying for it later um yeah, it was wild. Uh, and then Chrisling also asked this: if there's anything about Karngrad or the other cities surrounding the Spire. that was an example of a, a nope, um, which missed opportunity. So shame. Um, do you guys have any other thoughts on home? Whatever home means for uh, Slaves of Darkness, how do they how do they live? I guess whenever
2: you have the feeling of just kind of tearing things up and casting it aside, that's where home is. <laughs>
0: Uh, home is where you rip somebody else's heart out. Um, <laughs> yeah, home is where their heart is. <laughs> there you go. That's a better way to phrase it. We workshopped that one. That was a team effort, I would like to yeah. say. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's talk about, uh, talking about others, right? That are expanding out. Um, how, how do they deal with other people? Um, the conquest is the name of the game. Um, they've already conquered a lot of the Moral Realms. They've lost a little bit of it uh, and they took that personally. They're out to regain it. Um, that's maybe the faction holistically, what their goal is. I wonder, maybe we talk about a little bit what, Archeon's goals are right now. Um, Do you guys have any insight on that front? What's Archeon? Like, what's he actually up to? What's he trying to do? I'll answer my own question. Don't make me. I mean, he's got a couple of things, right? He's trying to break into his ear. He's trying Mm. to use. um, Yeah,
2: that's um, his big one.
0: That's another. I have another bone of contention with that, too. Um, He's trying to usher in uh, uh, sort of a complete chaotic control over the realms um, but to use that as leverage to like topple the chaos gods himself surprise surprise he doesn't even like his own gods right um, he uses yeah. their their means to an end which is to say that their own end um, and uh, he really truly wants to be like the only one left standing I don't even know if he personally wants to be standing anymore is this one of like a like a, a, a death wish kind of on his end too like does he want to see it all topple it I just, don't know
1: He's just tired of walking around. He just wants to sit on the throne. Everything that he's done in this entire book is literally just because, I just want to sit on my throne. Why don't you guys let me sit on my throne?
0: So tired. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's it's true.
3: Well, and I think they try and pass it off a couple times. is like, he's just so industrious. Like, oh, look at all the things he does. He never is home. That's why it's an empty throne. (laughs) But, like, I mean, the other part of it, right? So you have... In in this this strata of meritocracy. Archeon's at the very, very tippy top because he's got the relics. He's got the experience. He's an incredible general. He's all these wonderful things. Uh, So when it comes to somebody invaded the eight points, all the other less competent generals are less competent. And so they get smoked, right? Like (laughs) Lady O grabs one of the Chaos Lords and, and just melts his brain to death. It's like, Cool. He gives him the, the end of uh, Indiana Jones, and he wrinkles away to nothing because she just does. And when Archeon's your answer, right, and he's your beat stick to defend against Kragnos and Godrak and all of the different monsters and things that go bump in the night for Chaos, when when he's your answer, uh, he has to be everywhere because eventually you're out of your depth, Chaos Lord, or you're out of your depth, Varyngard, or you're out of your depth, Balakor, and you need an Archaeon to just, like, fly through uh, you know, all the spider fanging Godrak going, this is our place. Yeah, he just flies through it because he's got other things to do. There's another group of chaos dying someplace else that he needs to go save. So he kind of flies around like infinite Superman. He probably doesn't sleep much because he's like, there's always some chaos idiot in trouble. And eventually I'm going to want that thing to be not in trouble. So he's running around putting out fires. Um mm-hmm. So I, I'd be mad too. I'd be like, look, Varengard, like I needed I needed like two minutes at the bubbler. And they're like, Oh, you guys stink. You you're so bad, Archeon, <laughs> empty throne. And he's like, I literally just saved the realm because you guys were at the bubbler. Like, what were you what were you even doing? You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> like break time's over, get back to it. <laughs> he like he's in the
2: stage where he sounds like someone like me with ADHD, just trying to get one thing done. Like, okay, I need to assemble models. Well, I need to clear off the table. Well, now I need to organize all this stuff. Great, a light bulb just went out. Oh, fantastic, this happened. Like, he's never able to get to the task at hand because he's doing too many emergency tasks. If he could just find a
1: phone booth, he could change out of his Superman costume and he could just, like, sit still for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. There's no phone booth in the mortal rubs.
0: Uh, what would a good... Um What would a good, if you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. What would a good example of that be for Archeon? If
1: you've got time to lay, you've got time to slay.
2: (laughs) If you've got time to chill, you've got time to kill. (laughs) I knew
0: you guys would have good ones. (laughs) That's why I do this. Um, So good. (laughs) well we talked to, or I alluded to enemies. I feel like everybody's Arcan Archeon's enemies, or the Slaves of Darkness' enemies, right? Even the Chaos Gods themselves are essentially their enemies. Is there anyone that yeah. isn't their enemies or is it is it is it a boring answer in that it's everybody is their enemy? Uh,
1: So um yes. Uh, Chrisling has a question here, who is Archeon's best friend? I referenced it before, but there's actually a specific name. The demon Lord Xeranax. And he claims to have spoken with Archaeon as an equal. So that's his buddy.
2: And that's his theoretical I mean, man. Archaeon's official response is, who?
0: Yeah, yeah. never. never <laughs> said. Yes. This is, I think, one of those true armies where, like, literally there is no one who is their friend. I mean, yeah. possibly you could argue that individual Chaos God guide, guide factions are kind of, but even them, it's I mean, not really. Like, the end results, we're going to take you out to eventually, given enough time. Um, yeah, so terrible work environment. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty straightforward. The amount of like
2: betrayals and one upsmanships within this faction is pretty scaveny. Just throwing it out there.
0: Yeah, true. That's another faction that everyone is your enemy. That's another good example. And
2: they also don't like them either, so. Yeah,
0: <laughs> no, thank you. Um, all right, well, let's talk about some units then. We'll hop into that uh, arena. Um, I'll ask you guys first. Are there any uh, units, models, things... Entries in this book that speak to you on a lower level, maybe from a visual level, yes. not from a rule level. Don't you dare bring up. I don't I don't care. I actually am going to bring that up. Slightly. You son of a bee.
3: All right. But it ties into the lore. Okay. Good. I wasn't going to this time. I wasn't going to this time. Just saying. <laughs> oh, no. I, I was like, there's rules. I won't say anything. But, but let me explain. It,
2: the rule itself doesn't matter. The option it gives you and the option it provides to the lore does matter. Well, perfect. Okay. Me. The unit is. Demon princes. They are the peak manifestation of the path to glory. If you are a mortal in the Slaves to Darkness, demon princehood is where you want to be. The rule that changed that helps the lore out is finally demon princes can be undivided um cuz i believe in the old world bellacor was the only uh, he's the first prince he was also the only undivided demon prince up until this point even if you check the app right now since it's not updated with the book you cannot have an undivided demon prince and this book finally provides it okay so there are now options for you to attain that title without having to swear to a specific god which I think is a great new addition to the lore that the game itself was limiting before, even if we may have had them in the lore.
0: Hey, Will. Approved. Seal of approval. You get my stamp. Nice. And they have a great saving... No. (laughs) (laughs) Booted. Will has been fired from this podcast and also the Discord. Um, So, uh, a event. Give me, uh, any, any faves jump out at you, yeah. um, in the
3: range. Uh, I'm not, not just wearing a dogs of Warcry shirt, but pretty much all the, the Warcry stuff is always cool to see. Yeah,
0: that's my jam.
3: Um, and just like giving again, more Fomeroid crushers, more Raptorix, more Furies, more Mindseer strengths, giving them all a little bit more of a moment in the light in this book has just been great. Um, I, I have to go pretty hard for those Chaos Legionnaires. I, I like the models. I like everything hobby-wise that I've been able to do with those. Um, but they're really just, like, I think they really hit home with where I'm at most of the time, too. Archeon is an imposter. Like, they are they are hard believers in the BelaCore cult. And I think that the, the Chaos Legionnaires, as such, just, like... They get me right in the feels. I'm like, yeah, Archeon, you know, like you, you literally had Sigmar without a weapon crying in, in his own little glass cage of emotion. And you're like, cute. We've got other things to do that aren't beat you all the way. Like finish the job. Um, like, <laughs> And I feel that like the chaos Legionnaires have that feel and have that, have that, like that mindset. And it just, it, uh, it vibes with me pretty well. Like, just just figure it
2: out <laughs> yeah slight correction he didn't have no weapon he did have razzle and dazzle <laughs>
0: <laughs> thanks for nothing Dan.
2: i appreciate it <laughs> um,
0: uh since you're talking about the war cry war bands and maybe i could have asked it earlier but i'm gonna ask now um kieran had another question of course he did uh Asking about whether or not the does the book shed any light on whether the deities like the Great Gatherer of the Corvus Cabal, Cabal um, uh, or the Devourer of Existence for the Untamed Beast? These are those Warcry um, Warbands. Uh, are those distinct Chaos Gods or aspects of one of the Big Four uh, aspects of Chaos Undivided? Does the book go into that at all?
1: Yes. Ooh, okay. Tell me more. Uh, it is in the beginning of the book. Talks about Archaeon. And he says he is seen as a manifestation of dark powers by many of the tribes in his thrall. The tribes of the untamed beasts worship him as the eater of worlds, Mm -hmm. while the shadowy Corvus Cabal see him as an avatar
0: of their avaricious demon god. Gotcha. So, and then I'll ask then. So they see him as like as an avatar of that god. Mm -hmm. Is that God? Do we think still one of the four Chaos powers, or is it some of these other like primordial Chaos stuff that we don't, don't necessarily get named or named regularly? Same thing, or are they distinct from Zinch, Corn?
2: My, like my personal answer, because I don't think the book does answer this I, uh, clearly. Clear mm-hmm. My personal answer actually comes from the latest 40k reveal stream, where they revealed new. Demigods and demons spawn from other ideas that are not associated with the four gods. And if it can happen in 40K, I think the same thing could happen here, where there is a separate chaos entity that is the uh, the manifestation of what the Corvus Cabal worship.
3: Well, and I think you see that in some of what the Unmade worship, because is it a, is it a demon prince? Is it a greater demon and having the abilities and the powers in, in what they worship, um, in, in both systems, the belief begets power, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so it, 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 you get into a chicken and egg thing in a lot of this where you have, okay, did these guys, you know, did the unmade believe in uh, the Lord of Pain before or after, the, you know, that greater demon existed? Did he start this cult, then wander off? And then, you know, these, these cultists and pilgrims try and follow him or her all the way to the end. You know, it, it gets kind of funky that way. But whatever they believe in will give it power. Uh, so for the Untamed Beast, right, you talk about the, the Great Devourer in their, in their, um, their little blurb. Uh, they worship all the chaos, uh, all of chaos as the devourer of existence. But Archeon is the eater of worlds and they long to join the hunt is the the exact quote from the book. The, they look at the, you know, chaos in general, there's different aspects of the devourer, right? You know, maybe this Ray, you know, this, uh, razor tusk is going to be a razor tusk of Zeech and it's going to see and eat magic eaters. And it's going to be that kind of, um, you know, kill the magic users, eat the magicians, um, to gain more power, or maybe it'll be a, sorry, rock tusk prowler. Um, but maybe it'll be one of corn, where it just likes to delight in the kill and always is hunting and has eaten some of the weaker members of the group. You know, they would see it as different aspects, and I think that those different aspects in their own right would gain power. Uh, you see it in Necromunda too with the uh, meat for the meat lord, um, mm-hmm. corpse Grinder called guys, right? Where it's it's a greater demon of corn, but because... You know, corn isn't known to those chaos cultists in the same vein. They know of this meat god that has shown up and a couple times on the planet, and they've they've recently resummoned him in the Book of Ruin a few years ago, right? So th- these aspects do exist, and they do show up across multiple platforms. Um, and I think that that's kind of cool that that's they could do their own thing, um, and it, it also makes greater demons feel a little bit more impactful. I think. Um, because you have a, it might not, it doesn't have to be corn incarnate, it can be, or a Zeech incarnate, it can be a Lord of Change, or a Bloodthirster, that's leading, you know, the Corvus Cabal, or, you know, maybe the Corvus Cabal have been worshipping um, the Great Gatherer, but really it's it's corn who wants shiny gubbins and, and skulls specifically of your foes, right? It wouldn't necessarily have to be a Nurgle, or it wouldn't have to be a Zeech, or, you know, maybe they're not after secrets, maybe it's something else, and Finding a greater demon that's somewhere in between, or finding a greater demon prince somewhere in between that is empowered by those beliefs and those gifts and those sacrifices, uh, I think that's very on brand for the lore
0: for a long time. I thought it was really cool that like they were worshiping on like lesser known aspects or they only 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 saw a small part of what is it the the thing about the elephant where the blind man like touches like the leg or th- a bunch of blind men like touch a leg mm-hmm. or a trunk or something like that and they h- get a different image of what an e- elephant is because they're touching different parts? I always like that like translating that to the war cry warbands and that like they only know some aspect of the bigger chaos gods because those are yeah. really the only four that exist. So part of me thinks that that's the answer. However, I think that the horns of Heshut l- lends credibility to the fact that actually no, maybe these are all separate, distinct individual whether they're deities or uh demi deities or you know greater demons or something like that because i think we'll find out soon enough that hush is clearly his own thing isn't one of the four chaos gods and his warband worships him and so if he can exist as this independent entity there's no reason that all the other ones can't also be their independent entities too so maybe there's a mix maybe some are chaos gods maybe some aren't but like the fact that they got included in this book without really even explaining why they're like this undivided they, they reference the shit and they just sort of throw them in the mix um yeah. makes me think that like this is a small part to like a larger hole that comes
2: out later um an interesting wrinkle is like there's a clear divide between now we're getting too much into war cry but the war cry season one no such thing Warbands bands were all like these various different aspects, but everything that's been chaos focused in season, in second edition has been, they specifically follow Bellacore. It's a different way to follow Nurgle. It's a cool way to do seeing, it's a, they do Hashut. So it's like, they are following beings that kind of already exist in weird ways. And like with the, the Jade people, I think it said, like, they worship Sieng. They don't quite know exactly whether or not it's Sieng, but it is Sieng. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of these other war bands, they don't make any
0: distinction like that at all. Mm-hmm. They keep it vague. Sure. I, these are all great points, and I like I like the conversation to, that arises from it. I like the fact that we don't know even, or like that there can be a mess, yeah. or some are, some are some way and some are some the other. Um, that's why Warcry Cry is cool as heck. So good. Someone should make a podcast about that. Um, all right, Paul, oh, any... Yeah. agreed i did not ask paul yet paul what what were your units or things that jumped out at you in the range
1: um i always liked the Varen guard um in the old world Archaeon had his bodyguards which were the swords of chaos and that's basically what the Varen guard had become but there are so many of them and and i you know there's a book that we read forever ago um about the Guard and about Varenspire that really goes into depth on this. And I, I like that book a lot, which it may be, I like this unit type so much, um, but there are eight circles of Guard. Like there are so many that they each have their own power base in the Varenspire and stuff. And it's just super cool to have these little demigods of, of Archeon himself. Like he is such a powerful being that like even his lieutenants are just massively important. And uh, so, I like the models. I like the background, so super cool.
0: Hey, guess we had a question about Varear. Was it Karen? Surprise, it was Kieran. Uh, okay. They want to know who are the Varengard exactly? Demons, mortal followers of chaos? Are there warlords in their own right? Are they so, do they solely function as bodyguards for Archeon? Um, Varengard are cool because like they get called to Archeon, whether they like it or not. Like It's it's like their own brand of a path to glory, kind of, in that like at one point where they reach whatever the height of their power is, they start seeing Archeon's brand anywhere. Like It's like in a blood spray or like some flaming sigil in the sky. And like it's almost assured that they know it, that they don't get to be that powerful without knowing our sign. Uh, like he shows up on the caller ID. And so either they're like, Oh, I got to pick it up. Or maybe they're excited to pick it up. Maybe they're waiting for that call their whole life or they can, uh, send it to voicemail, but Archeon, he's going to keep calling and he's not going to stop calling. And so like, it, he's going to come for you one way or the other. Uh, and if like, you can spend your whole life running from him, Um, but it probably won't be a very long life. Um, so I thought that was uh, cool, uh, To Kieran's question about do they solely function as a bodyguard, I wouldn't necessarily say so because there's so many of them that they're not always around Archeon, and oftentimes they are in positions of power in the Varen Spire because Archaeon's off doing whatever Archaeon does. And so like to that end, no, not bodyguards, but rather like rulers in his stead, um, which is
1: interesting too. In fact, one of the factions is the Varen Guard without Mm Archaeon. So Mm -hmm. they, they do definitely go out and do their own things. They have their own missions to
0: further... The, the mission of chaos yeah they're super cool one of the cooler range, uh, models in the range for sure um one of my faves honestly the warband war cries or no the war cry warbands uh are my my faves is such a diverse cast in what like sometimes feels like a pretty one-note army in that like yes the chosen and the chaos warriors and like the knights all unified in their in their aesthetic but it is kind of like one-dimensional to some degree but like the new, newer models in the range are fantastic um so couple that with then the diversity that is the Warcry cry war bands it's such a like a marked difference um it adds such color and brightness and variety um in the army which is uh, very neat um So that's probably my favorite, but don't worry, guys. There's plenty of questions that people want to know about some of the other entries that we can run through real quick. Um, So uh, just in no particular order, um, Milhern, again, patron of the show. Thank you very much. Milhern um, wants to know, is there, is there be a deeper dive into the Dark Oath? There is entry about the Dark Oath sort of a little bit collectively. They got brought up once or twice in the, um, in the book. Did anything about the Dark Oath um, and all their incarnations jump out at you guys uh, in this tome at all?
2: Um, not really. One thing I know, Paul had mentioned outside of this recording is that it is cool that there is a reference to a Warhammer Plus character
0: mentioned in the Dark Oath section. Oh, is that who that was? I looked him up. I didn't know who he was. Yes, Gar it's a, something.
1: It's a, the Warhammer Plus TV show. There was a Dark Oath episode versus um, Caesar Sigmar. So. <gasps> Oh, and gotcha. I, I apologize. I didn't, I wasn't the one who caught that. Somebody Oh, never it mind. online and I, I forgot
0: who it is. So I apologize for not referencing that. We yeah. talked
2: about it in person.
0: That's yeah. what it was. <laughs> is it a, uh, that Snow Peaks guy or the guy who's from Snowpeaks? I think it's in. Yeah. Uh, Gunnar Brand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He doesn't have an entry in the lexicanum, which is where I looked it up. They um, must have, uh, have a Warhammer plus subscription then. No, I do. I just haven't watched
1: it yet. No, no, no. The the Warhammer Lexicanum must not.
0: Oh no, they must not. Yeah, possibly. yeah. Um Because he was mentioned right alongside uh, the gal from Underworlds and the Warcrane, who, who's both who, of whose names I no longer remember. Um, well, but, but like for a second,
1: let's just—and uh, and this is just cool to me, maybe—and maybe I'm, a, I'm just doesn't match with the dork. It's just cool to me. But like, be the judge of that. For the first time, we get to reference media. That is not a book and other things you can watch to learn more about this faction. Right? Like and to me, that episode of Hammer and Bolter is the best place to find out more but more about the Dark Oath that we have right now. I don't think we have a book about them. Um so yeah, that's pretty cool that
3: we get a reference to TV show. I think the the War, War Queen book. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yep. Um I mean Coincidentally, before I was on these podcasts, uh a lot of you were people who hang out in my community and uh one of you turned me on to that book and then a few of the other novellas and uh they spawned they spawned armies for me and uh when the Dark Oath Savagers came out as models, uh I went on a collecting spree that would make the Great Gatherer jealous and blush a little. <laughs> um and uh then you know, with the the new book, I know we weren't talking rules, but I can play a whole dark oath army now. And that's very legal to play. And I am just tickled. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am thrilled to swear some oaths to the dark gods and take some skulls for whoever I'm worshiping that day. True. Um, and it's just, it was so, it's such a good book and so impactful for the hobby. Uh, I'm just very excited to, to get into that, that part of it. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned to mention about swearing oaths. For those who don't know about dark
0: oaths, they're basically marauder-esque, like barbarian-esque folks that uh, one of their hallmarks is that they are prone to making oaths and, um, you know a wide range honestly it can be an oath about anything i bet you some of them can be mundane with the idea of being if they fulfill this like uh oath then they'll be granted some boon from uh the chaos gods and so they'll ma- swear blood oaths with their own blood or somebody else's blood probably your blood actually uh and then promise to do some grand thing um and if they succeed then oh, hopefully even the gods will just glance in my direction and that'll you know i'll, I'll I'll benefit from that or if i fail or just flat out just don't get around to it which i'm surprised they even mentioned that but yeah some people just don't Mm -hmm. do it um then you're you're asking for trouble so that's the hallmark of the dark oath um i don't know if there's anything too much new in there i feel like maybe we knew some of that already um but they are not excluded at the very least how could they be uh excellent i'm getting thumbs up they're saying good job aaron man you did it good, good podcasting aaron <laughs> um, all right let's ask more questions uh, so a couple questions about the gaunt summoners um bremen uh had asked uh what does the loss of a gaunt summoner or silver tower mean for Arcan's power or influence on the realms i know we lost a silver tower um that bellicor blew up does the book talk about the ramifications of that i don't think so not really? Not it, really. It made
1: kind of like a one-off of like, Bellacor was happy because it showed that he could be
0: beaten. Yeah. No. Kind right. of like Zerk season I, 300. Yeah.
2: I feel like the Zinch book talked about it more um, than the Slaves of Darkness book does. Because I, I remember we had mentioned it uh, when we talked about that book. Sure. And it uh, talked about more about like Archean's relationship and how it's Zinch was like cool with him taking them over and yeah. cool with them dying and sold them out. I think Zinch even, yeah, Zinch even sold them out, like to explode or something weird like
3: that. Like He or- gave Archeon all their true names, so yeah. they have to yeah, listen to him. Yeah. He's yeah. like, he's like, cool. How about you guys work for Archeon now? This is what I'm going to give Archeon. You guys go take your silver towers and go to this new house with this new de- guy who's going to know your true names. And the Gaunt Summoners were like, huh! That seems bad, though. <laughs> he's, your, he's your new dad now. Um, yeah, he's your new dad now. Yeah. Uh, we had the trial while you were away, and yeah. uh, yep, he has full custody. Congratulations. Constant
0: Wars, Constant Wars are demons, right? So like, they they reform in the yeah. void or whatever. Um, okay, mm-hmm. so like, even if they even one dies, it's not yeah. intrinsically the end of the world. Well, for uh, but you know, he like, lost cause... the silver tower. Is the yeah? That's more. Yeah, that's more the main board. thing. Yeah.
2: Not I was going to say, I think the Zinch book mentioned, like, as he's slowly coming back, Zinch is cool with Archean being on the back foot and it was kind of, like, dunking on the guy who died. Like, how could you let this happen situation?
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. He's like, I thought you were supposed to be some powerful wizard with your own silver yeah. tower. What, what What did you do? Like, come he on. You got, no? got killed by a rat?
0: Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> nice silver shower you got. There. Appreciate it. something that happened to you. Um, all right, or happened to it. Um, Kieran also asks: uh, Is there any insight into the relationship between Arcana and the Consumers bound to a service? Yeah, I think Will was right. Maybe the Zinch book even talked a little bit more about it. So it's, I think, mm-hmm. pretty par for the course um, here. Yeah. Uh, cool, 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 cool. Uh, question about the Soul Grinders. Uh, Milhern again, patron of the show. Thank you very much, Milhern. Uh, asked: Does the Soul Grinder fit fits in AOS? A uh, short answer: No. Give it the boot. Doesn't need to be here anymore. Don't, unnecessary. What do you guys think? I, I,
1: I would agree. It, it's, it, I don't like the aesthetic in the core range, but I also don't like the the uh, um, juggernauts in the core ranges either. They're, they're a little bit too mechanical for me. But mm-hmm. that being said, these are personal opinions and whatever you want to do is fine. Because you know, otherwise Eric would come and how me down and say, <laughs> "No, anything you do, which is true, which is true, is
0: your hobby." But normally, I would say Paul's opinions don't reflect that of the of the podcast. However, in this particular case, Paul's opinions do reflect the opinion of the podcast. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
2: I I do not disagree. Uh, I'll just say probably what Eric would say, which is they have a war scroll, so they fit, <laughs> but aesthetically,
3: yeah. Oh. Eh. I'm, I'm going to be awful again and disagree with all three of you. You are awful. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> that's twice tonight. I'm, I'm never getting like, asked back. <laughs> never. Everyone was me it since the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been really good, guys. Uh, no, I think the Soul Grinder fits. Uh, if you have cannons being held by ogres, if you have weapons like that, uh, if you have the armor that you see on Blood Warriors, uh, if you have the the metallurgy to create those things, why would you not in the spiral crux have the ability to make a soul grinder? Um, if you already, if you have the technology, por qué no los dos? Why not? You know, why not? Chaos is definitely a, you know, we should play it safe kind of group. I think they should have them if they want them, have them. Um, I do understand that the aesthetic of the model doesn't really fit uh, as they've got like, you know, pretty close to Black Legion symbols on them. Um, (laughs) So so that's a little different. But I think as a model, it's cool. They're huge. um, So they they seem neat. Uh, I think having a story where the KO fight or the Caradron uh, fight against a bunch of soul grinders uh, that were summoned up by a god beast waking up would be a really cool novel. I'd be all about it. You know, giant volley guns that are, you know, are rail guns essentially that they have on the, the KO ships. Like, make it almost sci-fi high levels of, you know, steampunk fantasy. I think that'd be great. You know, yeah, find yeah. find the equivalent, um, you know, or or better yet, have it be chaos on chaos fighting, a slaughter brute host with a bunch of corn mortals, run into this evil crazy Zeech warlord who's been, crafting their slaughter brutes into uh, soul grinders and now they must fight it out and have it be like a, a kaiju fight with Godzilla versus Mothra. Like it'd be perfect. I think, I think there's ways to make it work. Why are you spoiling the next novel we're going to be talking
1: about on this podcast? I mean, that's just, Oh, love
2: it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you make a good point about like how order can have these technologies, but chaos can't, if order can have souls to bind, then chaos can have souls to grind.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, Love that. All right, uh, we'll keep going because I, but because I always <laughs> need to have the final word, um, and I want no response to this. Um, not only do I think the soul grinders shouldn't be in this army, but I also don't think the slaughter brutes or vortex Bee should be in this army either. I think those should be excised from this particular Ooh. range. Slaughter brutes should go corn, Vortex B should go. Zang. Anyways, um, should we talk more about the oakroids at yeah. all? Are we missing anything from what we brought up earlier?
2: Yes, uh, because we never actually talked about the fact that Ogroids isn't actually the name for them. True. It's a name that people call them. Ogroid just means ogre-like. hmm So people are like, oh, yeah, that's Ogroid. Like, oh, yeah, that's person-shaped. <laughs> They're actually, uh, what is it, the Goroa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like they actually have like their society and civilization and they probably don't even like the word
0: ogroid. It's just what chaos calls them because chaos is full of jerks. Very offensive. Well, no, actually, chaos aren't, weren't even the first ones to call them that. They were right. even called yeah. ogroids before. So um, we didn't really get into their history. So for those that don't know, the ogroids were from Gur. Uh, they often fought alongside uh, the Greenskins and like those followers of Gorka Morka. Maybe they themselves were a little bit too. But they – found that they actually kind of like society a little bit and sure like it's when you live in Guru, you kind of like you got to ally yourself with some of the other stronger powers there but then they started building societies uh forging weapons um and they're like man like i like sleeping in a bed a little bit um but uh the greenskins had were not interested in that and so essentially it was their rowdy friends kept destroying all their stuff kept fighting them and and they had to defend themselves against sort of this intra-faction fighting and they said you know what screw that we gotta we gotta get out of here we got to find a better way and that's how they got called to chaos Uh Archaeon say hey look we'll offer you come I mean like some element of like uh peace to some degree ha 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 uh because they I mean they were also like noble warriors at the same time too and so they took this offer and then of course ended up getting corrupted and now like they hang out in the Varen for a while now they've been hanging out in the Varen Spire um being like Gladiator judges or, or what have you, but now they're sort of being called to action with this um, Kragnos arrival, uh, tapping back back into their bestial uh, yeah. senses, and so they're getting like let loose because um, how better to fight fire with fire than beasts with beasts? Yeah, That's about it. Is it? Did I get um, it?
2: Yeah, that was the majority of it. The only other thing is people always comment online, which they always be doing. Yeah, uh, always that- be commenting. It's like, well, these are just Bulgores. They look like Minotaurs. Um, And I do think it is cool that like GW is standing firm of like, no, these are Garoa. They are a civilization. Their whole thing is about being master craftsmen. So when they look at bulgors they just see creatures of destruction that are base instinct. And that's not who they are. I think if, I do think if GW had known that they were going to expand on this race past the Talmaturge, past the Myrmidon, they probably wouldn't have made it look so much like a Minotaur slash Bulgore. But they're sticking to it and they're like holding the line of like, no, this is different. We're actually going to expand on what makes them unique instead of just conceding the point and saying it's
0: Bolkors. Do you think GW cares one bit? They do they do not exactly they, no zero percent. It could be the spitting image, and they'd be like, "No, no, no, it's different. Don't worry about it." It'd be the same kid with it just a different name on it, different thing. <laughs> well, we, no, we sell double of
2: them. Yeah. You know? yeah, twice as much.
3: I think it'd be interesting though, because I feel like with that, oh, there, these are just new Bolgors and new new Minotaur models. Uh, I think it'll be awesome when they come out with new bulgores. if that yeah. happens because those bulgores aren't going to look like muscly slabbed super oh, you know ogroids these are going to look they'll look something real fierce and real different uh and yeah. definitely more bovine i'm hoping mm-hmm. right whereas the ogroids have flat faces they have you know they don't have a big muzzle like a beast of chaos they have a flat face yeah. um and i hope that there's there's lore where they're calling each other funny names like oh Why don't you put a muzzle on that Bulgore? Like, yeah, Yeah. it'd be fun. (laughs) Uh, Oh, it's gonna be great. Just a thought.
0: Isn't it kind of weird though that like they release a model that is clearly a Centigore and then that is also, and then they soon after that release models that are very similar to Bulgor's. It's like they're doing everything they can to not make a beast of chaos uh, model. Just they're trying their hardest not to do it. Uh, well, the new Lumineth Temple is all going to be goat people too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's keep on keeping on. Um, we talked about units. You know, let's talk about some of these uh, the sub factions. I'm surprised that the book doesn't give as much information information about the sub factions as some of the other yeah. ones do. Uh, but even so, did you guys have any favorites that you uh, want to bring up uh,
1: in brief? I like the host of the Everchosen because it's cool. Um, specifically because it doesn't mention the Varengarde. It mentions the knights, it mentions the warriors, right, the chariots, but it really doesn't go into the Varengarde because they're a different faction. Mm -hmm. Because if Archaon is coming, like, he's leading his personal army, and the Varengarde are kind of more of their leading their own personal armies, Mm -hmm. right? It really um, reinforces the idea that each leader has their own retinue. So, that's cool.
2: Still haven't picked a side yet. But I'm going to go with Legion of the First Prince. It did lose a lot of its identity uh, from before, where it was entirely all demons. Oops, nothing but demons. Um, and now it is just a subfaction of Slaves of Darkness. So it lost for some people like the list building identity, but it very much is still lore wise and narrative wise Bellicor just bringing everyone into the fold, and it's his personal forces. Um, and just seeing him, so I mean, if we want to track the change in rules and the change in narrative, he went from manipulating demons only to now actually having mortal followers, yeah. which is a big step for him. Sure. So kudos, clear evolution. Yeah. Actually, that's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, he's being more inclusatory. Yeah, more exactly. inclusatory. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will let everybody owe me one. That's exactly. <laughs> Quoth Bailacore. <laughs> I'll accept donations from everyone. <laughs> it's, it's
0: 2022. You got to.
3: Um, did, 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 did you have a sub-faction that you enjoyed? Uh, I, I know it'll be surprising. I really like uh, Ravagers mm-hmm. um, mm. because I really think that, right, when I think – when I think why chaos for me, why chaos is has always been in the mortal followers, the cultists, the average Joes that write, hey, I live in the eight points and there's literal plants that will just kill you over the turn of a century because that's how they work. Uh, they'll sit you down in this chair and then giant pains of obsidian will just slowly eat your soul. Like, and I need friends to help me not have that happen to me. Or there's like leech grass that I was walking through the field one day and, uh, happened to have a bunch of grass eat me alive. Like having friends, right. (laughs) A story about chaos. Uh, and I like, to me, that's where it really resonates with chaos. If I didn't have a choice, if there was no other way to survive in this, you know, literal hellish landscape, then of course I'm going to grab friends and those friends are going to be people who are like-minded and maybe I have to give up part of my soul, but you know what? I get to keep it a little longer, you know? Um, so for me, ravagers are just that they are, they are the the human enterprise of yeah. we're going to keep going and there will always be more of us. Um, and you just, you just have like, they are the, the raiders. They are the, the, the scourge of mortals and it just makes it feel more human. Yeah. A lot of-
0: is. Or We're Elden out. or Dwarden. Um yeah. you guys took you guys more took and more. Yeah, there you go. Um you guys took all <laughs> the good ones, so I'll just glance over the fact that there's the Cabalists? Ca- cabalus, cabalus, cabalists, cabal. Uh, cabalus. Yeah, so they're like the magic cabalus. guys. So, so that's like the sorcerers and all those uh that dabble in the chaotic magics. Um there is the despoilers, which are the um, like the monsters and the beasts, essentially. I mean that's where like the mm-hmm. um the soul grinders end up uh that's probably the worst one if you ask me and then there's the knights of the empty throne with are uh the <laughs> essentially the Vanguard one so that's that no. faction. so you got your options to take your pick uh let's talk about the spe- special characters however i feel like we've dabbled on a lot of them at this point um do we have anything to add on Archeon? i feel like we've covered him quite a bit so anyhow yeah, Archeon tidbits Super I think we covered most of them cool um, I feel like we've covered quite a bit of Bellicor however there's some more questions that have come up that are pertaining to the both of them I know we've talked at, at length a little bit about their um, the, their rivalry perhaps um, so I'll skip on some of those but uh, you know what maybe I'll just cut right to it Iron Pit asked I mentioned it before I feel, I feel like we've had evidence of both sides uh, Iron Pit wants to know which side are we picking which side are we falling on Who's your, who's your fave in this fight? Um, Will, I want to know. You have to You have to pick a side. You have uh, if, I, if I have to pick,
2: I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> yeah, A or B. Uh, I'm going to take option B. I'm going to go with the underdog, which is funny since he's the first demon prince. He actually had the first chance of rising up and was the first person to fail. Could never be ever chosen. But I just like how he's just like, Constantly getting up, always scheming, and he's kind of opening the doors. Now that he's allowing mortals in, and I'm, for those listening and can't see, I am a human, uh, and I
0: really like that I'm accepted, so I'm going to take it.
3: Debatable. Debatable. I
0: thought you were a liar. Um, all right, cool. Uh, since I want to alternate just to make it seem like it's even, Paul, Who? What side uh, do you fall on? Archaon. Yeah. Obviously, so.
1: Like, Bellicor is super cool. I really like him, but Archaon, like... He is the only character in all of Age of Sigmar that is in complete control of his destiny. He never became a demon prince. Mm-hmm. He's still mortal. He can still be mm-hmm. killed and he's still wrecking face everywhere over gods, over god beasts. And he's just like, yep, yeah, I'm I'm just a guy. I'm just that much better than you.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs>
0: In control of his destiny. Him and uh-huh. Hamilcar Bear Eater. Try and tell
3: Hamilcar, Hamilcar what
0: he's gonna do. He can't do it. Uh all right, Vint, which side are you falling on?
3: What team? Uh, I, on? I go pretty hard for Baylakor for sure. Okay. Excellent. Glad to hear it. I, I could I could go into details as to why, but I think I think I've tamped that flag plenty today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and to even it out? I think I'm Team Arcan. Actually, uh, I don't. I mean, Bellicor's cool, like, and what a great model. I'll tell you what. What uh, it's a, a strike against him is is that he ended up being the red-eyed bat-winged thing that saved Kaiser Van Brecht at uh, Broken yeah. Realms. It it should have been a vampire. Like it so clearly should have been a vampire, especially because Soulblight were coming out any day now. Like and because uh, Kato. Yeah. Um. Why well, don't yeah. that will be fun?
2: Sure. Um. Well, and also, like, Ven Brex, he specifically said his lineage
0: was vampires. So, like, it, all the clues were there. Yeah, it, it was, it was, uh, I mean, they were just lying to us. It, it, it's, it's not like it wasn't misdirection. It was, he was lying to me. He was lying to my face. <laughs> um, and so I'm going to hold Bellacore personally responsible for that. So, Arcan's where it's at. Um, yeah, I wanna see where he, I wanna see where he goes. Um so that's that's Iron Pit now, you know, that the podcast is split down the middle. Hey, but dear listeners, please let please let us know uh what what team you're on. Um to pick A or B and let us know in the Discord at com slash Discord. Um all right, so the one special character that we have not talked about and we did a really good job avoiding talking about, um, is a uh speaking of Bellicor, um is a new one. And I think it's pretty interesting. Um it's Eternus, Late of
3: the First Prince.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. First come, first serve. Uh, who wants to talk about Eternus? Uh, I like Balacor because he lifts his friends up. Uh, we'll go. <laughs> Nobody put
4: the
3: baby in the corner. Uh, <laughs> of course, the baby hit the side. That
1: was
2: good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, Eternus, the first prince. Uh, we mentioned that Archeon took out his rage on some of his own Varengard, specifically the Eighth Circle of Varengard. Uh, one of the dudes in attendance was. A name I forget, but it doesn't matter because that's not oh, his yeah. name anymore. Yeah. His new name is Eternus. He went to, to Belicor and said, like, hey, you're pretty cool. I think I might want to fight for you. Um, but, you know, I'm still immortal. And Belicor said, if you had time to die, you have time to fly. And he grabbed <laughs> him, took him up into the sky. <laughs> 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 Um, He took him, so we talked about the cursed guys and how there wasn't any change to the cursed guys themselves. Bilicor literally breathes in the lightning geists from the cursed guys and then rips the fattest cloud over Eternus, granting him immortality, but it's immortality as long as Bilicor chooses to reforge this guy.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: So now he's sort of like, even the other Vanguard aren't sure if this dude is like wholeheartedly in it because he believes it or because as soon as he stops praising Belichor, he may actually just die and explode. Mm-hmm. But he is a Chaos Stormcast. He yeah. dies, he explodes, he goes to the clouds. And unlike the Stormcast, he can come back in the same battle, which is another rules thing. Sorry, Aaron. Mm. Um, <laughs> and he won. Want- One of the references to the Varen Spire is that this dude went back to the bubbler, went back to the water cooler, told all of his friends about how much Arkaon sucks and how much he likes Belakor. And an entire circle of the Varen Guard have turned against Arkaon and now are fighting for Bellacore. So this dude is like the ultimate turncoat uh,
0: in the faction of people who are constantly backstabbing each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, it's impress- impressive to me that like he's still keeping like he's still secretive about it. Like the dude's literally yeah. like reforged and like people are like, checks out. Like nothing suspicious about that dude. So
1: <laughs> you think there's like a storm cast alarm on the Vanguard? Beep,
0: beep, beep <laughs> it's <something laughs> coming in. What's, what's I, don't in, know. in there? I sense lightning. What's in that? Yeah, it smells like smells like lightning in here.
2: Um, um, I could just see like Arjan coming to the monthly team meetings and just sees that dude in the corner with like a lightning bolt all around of him. And it's like <laughs> Huh, that's weird. All right. <laughs> Anyways.
3: <laughs> so so on our agenda today. <laughs>
2: Why is my cell phone
1: charging right now? It's not on a charger. <laughs> um, but I, I appreciate that they didn't do the easy thing and be like, oh, this guy was a Stormcast, but he devoted himself to chaos. So he's a Chaos Stormcast now. Right. I like right. that it was more of, no, 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 like a literal demigod took the souls of those who he had trapped and breathed it into you. Like I, it's, it is the, you know, the creation myth, but like writ large in AOS. And so he was chaos. He was killed. He was born again. And he's still chaos. It's not like, Oh, I can just not be a part of, um, Sigmar anymore. It's like, Oh no, we've removed some part of Sigmar from him. Like this is actually taking something from Sigmar
0: now. Yeah, and I appreciate that. My question is: well, Does he lose any bit of himself when he reforges? We see. I don't see any. Is there evidence ooh. that he loses himself at all? And if not, is there something to be learned? Could Sigmar take notes? He's like, "Well, how does this happen? Right? Like, well, how, how are you maintaining your identity over the course of this? Um, maybe more to come on that front." Is my guess. That's my speculation. Hmm.
3: Um, so that'd be very cool. Uh, well, I think it was kind of a neat turn when you, it talks about how, right, in the Age of Chaos, uh, Sigmar is up there writing down his little angry list of, like, how do I beat these guys, figures it out in the Age of Sigmar. Uh, you go through uh, the Soul Wars era, and you get into the Age of Beasts, and it only took them, even if these ages are 500 years, it took them the same amount of time to be like, I love your technology, loved what you did, uh, <laughs> hold on, hear me out, but... Baylicor does it better, mm. and like yeah. <laughs> Bay should have won the award all the time. Mm. um
2: He's like the definition of taking a recipe you find online, mixing it up a bit, and then winning an award over the original. <laughs> over yeah. the original.
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> hey, Croak, I saw what you did there. Be cool if I try it this way. Oh, look, yeah, right, the whole realm is busted. You're right welcome. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: patron of the show, dog tired, had a question. Um, uh, let's let's give short answers here on this one. But uh, have the lightning... Uh, I think he means geists. Uh, with Internus been truly corrupted as forces of chaos, or are they potentially still redeemable? Give us your prediction. Are Eternus's, uh lightning geists redeemable, or are they stuck with chaos forever? Uh, Paul, go.
1: Um, I'm going to go with stuck with chaos forever, because I don't think they're going to know how to get home anymore.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Will, what do you think? Stuck or... Uh, third
2: option if they die with him, they go to oblivion and no longer exist. Probably
0: true. Vint redeemable or stuck with chaos or doomed
3: to oblivion. Uh, nope. They are, they are stuck with chaos now. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I don't think this is the sort of special, like named character where they will get too much
0: more screen time in terms of like the core components that they the character will not evolve such that like the guys are going to be like changed in any way. They are, secondary ancillary to who the character is now at this point is my guess.
3: Um, bonus round, I want to see a turnus fight Vanda's hammerhand. Oh yeah. That needs to happen. Sure. Oh yeah. Um chaos converted with soul soul power from Sigmar and Sigmar converted with soul power from chaos. Let's let's see that battle just happen. Ooh. Yin and Yang. What would
1: happen so, so if got hit by Galmaraz
2: with a Celicent prime. Then it might knock a single lightning geist through, who becomes a shade of the first prince, and he's a corrupted storm cast. But he's a good perfect. That'd be interesting.
0: I like Very it. Interesting. There are so many hooks they got to get back to, guys. I mean, just write faster. Um, write like the wind. Uh, just do or, more. Or, yeah, yeah, just do more. Just do better, <laughs> All right, guys. We had such great listener questions here that I want to touch on, but we're also running so long. So let's. We'll keep our answers brief, because but I want to give full sh- shrift, not short shrift, but full shift uh, to the, the questions that we got here. All right. So, um, lightning round, uh, Darth Alec asks, uh, what do you feel about the book being more concrete on details overall timelines, Arcan's plan, et cetera, et cetera and less mysterious and vague than before? Um, Paul, ha- you four or less concreteness in your battle tomes?
1: Totally love how much they wrapped up stuff. Um, brought out new plot points, but there were so many things that I was like, what's going to happen to this? And we haven't heard about it in forever, and now we've heard about it. Yeah, Even if it was short, it was there.
0: Right on. Well, Will, what do you think? I like it. Cool. Nice. I mean, you follow instructions. I like that. Uh, Vent, uh, what do you think? Four, Very well done. Two thumbs way up. Two thumbs up. Uh, likewise, I think it's now is the time where we start concreting stuff up. It was fine to be vague before. That it its, it's time and place, early days in a game system, but uh, we're hungry for that concrete. We want to munch on it. Give us more. Um, all right, Kieran, surprise, surprise, asks, uh, and I say that with love, by the way. It's not a sarcastic surprise, surprise. It's a, an appreciation surprise, surprise. Uh, they ask, I don't think we've heard much about the eight points since Marathi's el- 11 elves probably took place. Oh, I bet you I, I, I'm getting some autocorrects in here. Uh, mm-hmm. Took place there in the Broken Realms. How is Archeon recovering from the loss of the vast amounts of Veranite? And is his plan still to corrupt the Meteoric Gate and Stormazir, yada, yada, yada? Um, so, yeah, we haven't really touched on it. This conversation has not touched on the veronite aspect or his him trying to break into his ear much. I think it was mentioned before. Um, is there any news on that front in this book that you guys want to talk about they call out? Book barely mentions it. Plan still moving forward. Here's I, I alluded to some other gripe I had with the book. Here's one. He had a whole bunch of Varonite that was stolen. In fact, that was a big plot point was that she took so much Varonite out of there that it was obviously going to put a dent in his plans. Uh, the book, I think, at some point even says, yeah, he lost all that Varonite but he's still got enough as if it mattered as if it had any made any difference whatsoever. So like, there's yet another example this important thing happened. And they're like, yeah, but not that important. Like, but it's still going to go though. Um, and that really bummed me out. Like things have to have consequences. What's the point of having things? Um, so that was lame. Other thoughts
3: uh so i think on that note uh red harvest touches on that like she steals all the veronite and he's like uh cultists double time get more oh that's dangerous out there maybe we'll send a couple extra war bands to make sure it gets home i forgot so it, uh, he he sneaks it in and he's like oh that's fine i just killed people for it <laughs> so it why isn't scary why didn't he do that to begin with that should have been
0: if you could have done it all along anyways still uh it, safer it, 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 sources it, yeah. It seemed as if it was a lessened effect to what should have been a larger, uh, cause. Uh, if you ask me personally. Uh, all right, cool. We're doing good. We're at a good pace. Um, Kieran uh, he, he, he had a couple questions just sort of relating to Archeon's connection to Slanesh. For those eagle-eyed, uh, viewers or lookers, you would see that Dorgar has three de- demonic heads, Zinchian head, corn head, and Nurgle head, but there's no Slanesh clear head uh, on the front. Um, what is Archean's connection to Slanesh? Given that Slanesh is all locked up, it talks about it a little bit. Paul's got his hand raised. I want to see what he has to say.
1: Um, he is commanding Slanesh people, as we were talking about with gludos and mm-hmm. um, Sigvald, and also he went and broke one of um, one of Slanesh's chains, so that he'll become indentured to him when he is eventually released. So he's thinking that he will be released.
0: Yeah. 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 So. Mm-hmm. Uh. He's got a lot of power. He doesn't need all the cast gods all the time. And well, I imagine he'll be tapped into some once he's out. Um, he had a similar question related to the Horn rat, but I think we joked about it earlier. It was a real answer. He's uninterested in the Horn rat. Unimportant. Yep. Um, in fact, it would sully uh, himself to get wrapped up in that whole shebang. All right. Here's a good question that I think Chris Link uh, and Kieran asked. Um, and I might just make it a standard question for the show. So I'll tell you what, listeners, you don't got to ask anymore. I'm going to put it in the show just standard. So you've made it into the... the this is the first time this has yeah, ever happened. Yeah, the annals of the mm-hmm. Mortal Worms. <laughs> it's a funny word. Uh, of this Mortal Worms story face uh, is w- what... Chrisling asked, where is the lore in the book lacking? Um, and Kieran, Kieran asks, "Where what is missing from the battle tome that you'd hope to see?" Similar question, similar vein. Um, I I love it. Um, what's missing from the book that you guys wish would have been in here? Going around the horn again, Paul. What do you? What's missing?
1: Um, I don't actually see a lot missing, uh, but I I don't tend to um, expect everything to be in each battle tome to each battle tome. Um, there are no maps of their Inspire. Like that would be cool. I wouldn't mind that. Um, but apart from that, um, no, I, I think it's it it is more than I expected out of the battle tome, and like I'm I'm super happy with what we were given for this one. It's probably the favorite battle tome that I have that I have done a review for in the Middle Realms. So, right.
0: cool. Uh, well, missing anything? Um,
2: I felt like a lot of of the attention was given to like God specific armies like Corgus Cole comes up a lot, corn, especially in the Age of Chaos. I would have just liked more undivided stuff, even though this book technically does cover everything. Corn has its own book. Put that over there. Let me see some other stuff. Not that there's anything specific. I just felt like every word there was less words
3: here. Yeah, true. I agree. Vin, was the book missing anything? Um I'm I'm right there with Will. I thought that like Corgus Cole will have his own book very soon, right? And we have we have, we just went through the Zeech book where we talked about Ephrax and his fortress and Vandus's, is uh, in the attempts of the storm cast, not Vandus to go get it. Um, and so I feel like those, those words I was looking for, um, you know, those inspiring characters like, ah, did you know about this random fort off of a uh, random lake in randomville, Wisconsin, where the, <laughs> the great, great chaos, Lord randomness uh, took hold and corrupted the populace or, you know, in the Zeech book, they talked about how people were being misled by Zeechian cultists uh, on the Cities of Sigmar Trail. And it, it just something that way. Um, and I feel like that's that would have been awesome to see here. Like, mm-hmm. give me more characters that are a chaos lord or give me more characters that are a demon prince um, and give me something that I can I can really riff off for my own stories and my own narratives.
4: Yeah.
0: right on. Um I similar vein for a lot of you guys. I don't know that the book was missing too much beyond a, a map of the Baron Spire or like uh, eight points to some degree, I think would have been ideal. So it's almost as if it, it wasn't lacking. It just had weird entries, which is a lot of that corn stuff would just seemed out of place and unnecessary. They needed a map. So they slapped a map in there. So um, it, in the things that I'm looking for in a battle tome, I think it checked off a lot of my check boxes. I'll get into that into the review. So, like, I don't know that too much was missing. Some battle tomes are missing things. I don't think this is one of them. So, uh, cool beans. Uh, other
2: thoughts? Uh, I was just reminded, just because based on what Vint was saying, which is everything in like the stories was all things that had happened. Whereas most other battle tomes have like little threads for like other people to expand on. Yeah, true. Like some like unnamed character did cool thing or cool faction does cool stuff. And the yeah, like Alec Vendon mentioned, like that was missing. A lot of the stories was just like a history book.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Cool. Uh, final segment before we get into our review is just uh black library example, e- examples. I think some folks were asking about that too. I We've touched on a couple of them. Let's reiterate them here. Uh, do you guys have any black library books that folks who are fans of slaves to darkness ought to read? First come first serve. The Warcry stuff. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> there was the Warcry anthology that was really great. All sorts mm-hmm. of great shorts in there. And then there was also Blood of the Ever Chosen by Richard Strachan, um, which
4: mm-hmm.
0: it was flagged as Warhammer Catacombs. It has nothing to do with Catacombs, but uh, it was uh, one of my favorite books, actually, in, in the Black mm-hmm. Library um, stretch. Uh, so I agree. Excellent. Other Black Library suggestions?
1: The book I couldn't remember the name of, Scourge of Fate by Robbie McMillan. Yeah, that was the the one that really goes to town about the varengard uh, and the Varenspire. So
0: I, I I thoroughly enjoyed that one. That's great. David really liked that one, too. If you guys want to find out more about that, we did an episode on it. I don't know what number. I bet you uh, um, Klaus does, though. He'll tell you. Um, other, black, <laughs> other Black Library <laughs> stories. Because I'll say one. It's The Path to Glory by Evan Dakin. We also did an episode on that one. Um, it's great. I'll admit, I didn't see the twist coming at the end because I'm dumb, um, but it was a pretty good. It's not chaos god specific, so it's pr- it's pretty interesting. I think there was another question that we didn't have time for talking about, like what would drive a regular person into the arms of chaos. Here's a great, it's like a novella that really talks about it, so it's pretty um, pretty good. Uh, cool. Any other ones? There's the Warcream Wargreen book. Who I, I can't remember yep. who that's by, um, and I guess the yeah, bet Red Heart or. Red Feast is, although corny, it's still pretty like chaos. It feels chaos agnostic yeah. to some point, too. Um, right. right. So that'll be the end of it. Let's do, a, not the end of it, almost the end of it, in that we'll do our final feedback, <laughs> our final review of the Battle Tome. Again, going in the same order. Paul, what did you think of this here, Slaves to Darkness Battle Tome?
1: I really enjoyed it um, because usually I'm. Picking through the tome was trying to find the Easter eggs, and there were so many Easter eggs, so many threads that were putting forward. So I, I just loved reading pretty much every page. It was great.
0: Well, very cool. Will, what would you think? Uh,
2: I really loved it. I'm going to take seven out of eight paths of the mm. Eightfold Path to Glory. Uh, the only points knocked is just like, I felt like there was a little bit too much attention to God-specific stuff, even though I know the faction covers all of that. They have their own book. I forgot the number. Yeah. How
3: oh, many spider legs? Eight out of eight spider legs. Let's go for okay, it. Eight out of eight spider legs. Uh, I, am, I am 12 out of six raptorixes excited about this <laughs> blocking awesome book.
4: That's
3: not <laughs> how it so goes, but I like your pun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you like it so much,
0: Vin. Uh
3: I really liked it for, uh, for a lot of the, the just – putting it all together and showing kind of this very meta overview of what's going on and where it's happening, Um, you know, touching on Gurish Expanse and tying the giants and all the different things. It it hits on the Behemoth story a bunch and shows how that affected the Slaves to Darkness in general Um, and touches that they're all kind of everywhere and gives you that ubiquitous feeling that chaos is everywhere Uh, and that it is maybe not, even though it might not be the number one, a threat to the mortal realms anymore. It is the most prolific. And I thought that was really neat to see.
0: Right, very cool. Um I will give it a seven out of eight too. Uh, uh points on the Chaos Star, I guess. Um, in that a lot of the things I'm looking for in a battle on this one had in that if it's gonna be an army that already exists. Uh, then I want to know how it, it lives in the new world or what, you know, the present day, what that looks like. Uh, I would, I love new ranges, right? It, the book didn't generate the new range, but if you're going to put a kick out a new range with the book, it's all the better. Um, so I'm excited with the, all the new models that are coming out that new models means new lore. Uh, and as long as it's not awful lore, I'm happy with it. Like certain Sylvaneth entries, which are just flat out dumb. Um, so like this one didn't have anything that bothered me. So at the very least it gets, it gets, it gets full marks. Good, great, great credit. Um, and uh, it probably has um, the fact that I've never read of the, any of the other slaves of darkness battle tomes. It has that going for it. And that like, it didn't seem re- re- repetitive to me. Maybe if you've read every single one, maybe there's not, maybe the only the new, like the small subset of new stuff is only the only new things for you. But for me, Although I know the history pretty well of the moral realms at this point I still feel like it was still it was presented in such a way that like it was unique and uh, formatted in such a way that was it, it was new enough a new enough experience for me so I didn't feel like I was retreading too much older ground so because of that yeah it gets the, those the seven out of eight to be an eight out of eight honestly it would just have to be a brand new army entirely and we know how often that happens so yeah um, yeah, I'm, I'm for it and I recommend it. And uh, again, thanks to for GW for sending it to us. appreciate it. Um, any final thoughts, my friends?
1: Well, usually we do two thumbs up, but I thought maybe we'd do two fists up so we could do rancor and malice.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, cool. Disappointment and whining? Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> the gash. Yeah. Oh, my bad.
0: <laughs> and on that note, it's time for our forging but sigmar willing will be back soon like subscribe share or leave a review join us on discord drop a tip on our patreon anything you can do will spread the word of sigmar farther than we can on our own chat with us anytime about your thoughts on twitter at the moral realms uh if twitter still exists uh paul where can they find you online at pj shard uh well where can they find you online uh they can find me at age of sever Excellent. Uh, Vint, where can they find you online? Uh, D-O-W-Vint. Excellent. And uh, I'm Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at DOSASOS, and you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at (laughs) www.themortalrealms.com. Just like the show, that's all cool. Um, Or you can go ahead and tell a friend about The Mortal Realms. Um, or even head over to, uh, the, the AOS lore Reddit and tell them how cool the mortal realms is, because I feel like it's not brought up nearly enough and I really want to have a bigger presence there. Um, I started that entire subreddit just so that people would listen to my podcast and I feel like it's (laughs) not really getting the recognition.